You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, I savor these moments so this time that we get to spend together each and every week these three hours on Saturday night or whenever you tune in in the broadcast archives. I've got to get you turned on there, Keith, but uh, hang on. you got to turn your mic on. I am James Edwards. Well, let me pipe you up here. I, don't, I, I know what happened. We turned down your mic last week when you left uh, so Brett McAtee could take over. We never turned you back on. Uh, let me welcome everybody, including you, uh, my friend, to the show tonight. And I think what you were trying to say was uh, we really enjoy every week here on TPC throughout the year, but uh, this year, maybe more than others, this month uh, especially so. Yeah, especially confederate history month we're doing the job that mainstream media people uh refuse to do and furthermore there's just so much news going on now you know we're uh we're living as the china the chinese curse supposedly is may you live in interesting times we are certainly living in interesting times it's and we're, we're kind of sitting back bemused by all this watching the wheels fall off the cart uh you know the, the, <laughs> the neocon of you know uh, liberal Jewish uh, program has, you know, overplayed their hand to such a point now that they are, America is about to lose its position of primacy in the world. You know, they, the Ukraine war was fought to keep Russia down. Well, the result of it is going to be that China and Russia get together and they're going to replace America as the hegemon, which is the last thing that uh, the Biden administration and the people like Anthony Blinken and Victoria Newland, uh, Jewish neocons that were, uh, you know, backing this thing, that's what they wanted least of all, and that's what they're going to get. Basically, their worst dream or nightmare is coming true. We will talk about uh, the so-called BRICS coalition in a moment, but uh, as we kick things off tonight, I uh, just want to, I was just noticing, here we are, uh, in mid-April, <laughs> how long ago did it see we were doing those Christmas shows? This year's already a third of the way through. I, and I think when you stay so busy as we have with travel and special events and book launches and, well, the program each and every week has just been so brisk. I mean, a highly effective march around the world moved right into Confederate History Month, which, of course, uh, two weeks ago tonight we were in South Carolina for the book launch of the Honorable Cause of Free South. And then last week the the Easter program with uh, the aforementioned Brett McAtee, Pastor McAtee, and Michael Hill. Great stuff. I tell you, I don't know. I loved all that music we played last week. I don't know what I enjoy more, a gospel quartet or a barbershop quartet. You put four guys together that can sing in, uh, in harmony, and you got something. You know, based on all of your peregrinations so far this year, all these travels, I'm thinking about uh, making your official theme song, Ricky Nelson, I'm a Traveling Man. We've got to slow down. If we don't slow down and savor the time we have together a little bit, it's going to slip through our fingers. We won't even know that it happened. It seems like that. I cannot believe 
we are already this deep into the year. Uh, still a lot more to come, of course, but uh, let me just catch you up on a couple of things very quickly. A couple of things very quickly. Uh, mentioning the book, uh, Sasha Rossmuller, our friend who writes for the German print magazine uh, Deutsch Stem, is, uh, has just come out with his review, and I will... Uh, read it if I can find it. <laughs> I just had it pulled up. Give me a break here, guys. Uh, I got to go back to my Twitter to find it. Anyway, uh, we like Sasha. He was not on our March Around the World this year. He did represent Germany in last year's March Around the World because he had appeared just a month prior to talk about the purported sacking of uh, uh, the German government by that ragtag crew uh, any event, uh, but uh, he has been on this year, and it's always great to collaborate with Sasha, who wrote, What a glorious book, a cultural identitarian manifesto. These 12 essays of tradition and reason still meet aesthetic literary standards. They're a patriotic prayer and a love letter simultaneously that awake an insatiable desire for self-determination. That is, uh, that's a powerful, power-packed and powerful paragraph. Say that five times real fast by <laughs> Sasha Rossmuller. And then, of course, Tom Sunik, who uh, reviewed it for The Occidental Observer, uh, writes, this book represents a timely sequel to the prose of early uh, agrarians, not egalitarians, <laughs> agrarians. Uh, it should be read twice, not just by aspiring nationalists in America, but also by the larger academic community in Europe and America. Now, we are plugging the book hard. This is Confederate History Month, after all, and the book is... About the South. About the South and about... Uh, Southern independence and secession and all of his Southern identity. It's almost as if it was planned that the book would be released during the month of April, which, of course, it was. Now, if you are a regular contributor to TPC, you will have received, uh, most uh, hopefully, uh, this week in the mail, a letter, a special announcement about the book. Uh, I'd like for you to read it. And if you want a special autographed copy of the book, uh, please support TPC uh, by sending your remittance in that uh return envelope that will have been included in your letter. This is a supplemental appeal in addition to our regularly uh, scheduled quarterly fundraising appeals, which run, of course, every March, June, September, and December. I had to think about it there for a second. Uh, this is a supplemental appeal. We don't often do supplemental appeals. Uh, I think we did one time we've done it before. That was to uh, help raise money for my libel lawsuit a few years ago. We typically stick with the four fundraising appeals per uh, year, per quarter. Uh, but this time, with this book and with it making such waves, uh, we are uh, sending that to you. Of course, you can get it online uh, cheaper. Uh, but uh, it will not be the autographed version and will not help TPC as much. So think about it. If you've already received the book, uh, perhaps you want to keep the autographed copy for yourself and send along your copy to uh, a needy friend or family member. Now, if you were at the book signing in South Carolina, I pulled your uh, letter this week because I know you already have it. But most of you should have received the letter, so please uh, consider uh, helping out TPC with a little extra boost, which, of course, we need in Biden's economy. Now, uh, Keith, let's get started right there then with all the announcements out of the way. Well, I should say there is one more announcement. Announcements plenty here. Let me tell you who's coming up tonight. This is exciting. A first-time guest here on TPC for our Confederate History Month series. He is the closest living descendant of General A.P. Hill. His name is John Hill. And if you look at his picture compared with that of Lieutenant General A.P. Hill, 
It is uncanny. It's uh, almost supernatural. And this guy's going to tell you all about General A.P. Hill. And can't wait to talk to John on the air. Talked to him on the phone just a day or two ago. He actually exhumed General Hill's remains, just like Nathan Bedford Forrest. They reinterred General Hill, and he received his remains. He was the pallbearer at his reinterment. And uh, he is now his national guardian. He travels around the country giving speeches and memorials for General Hill. And he's going to tell us all about this great Southern hero, General A.P. Hill, in tonight's second hour. And then, and then, in the third hour, uh, another mainstay uh, in our Confederate History Month series, just as Dr. Michael Hill is, uh, Kirk Lyons will be back with us to tell us about uh, all of his recent work there as the Chief Trial Counsel for the Southern Legal Resource Center. Uh, so we'll be talking with Kirk Lyons and John Hill, the closest living descendant of General A.P. Hill, uh, tonight here on TPC. It's all coming up. All that being said, we got all the announcements out of the way. What are me and Keith uh, going to be doing here for the remainder of the first hour? Before we continue this month's special series, we're going to be breaking down the news and headlines of the week as only we can. Keith Alexander the Great. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. Big show coming to you tonight uh, with John Hill and Kirk Lyons. And uh, now let's get back to the topics at hand. As soon as Keith Alexander comes back from the green room, I tell you, we are 10 minutes into the show and he's already taken a break. Uh, but, you know, he's a little bit older now. What are you going to do? Uh, we, we're going to ride him until he collapses. I can tell you that much. We can't spare him. <laughs> uh, what, was the, what was the old quote? We can't spare this man. He fights. 
Uh, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> uh, if you subscribe to the American Free Press, and most certainly you should, uh, please pay attention to the forthcoming issue, which will have an article about the book that we are so excited about. I sat down with John Friend this week, and uh, he also interviewed uh, Dr. Michael Hill and Patrick Martin, who is the editor of the book, who you heard from on this very program just uh, week before last. And so that'll be coming out, and uh, please do consider subscribing to the American Free Press, AmericanFreePress.net, and the Barnes Review, uh, the historical journal par excellence. So uh, Keith is now back from his break, 10 minutes into the show and already taking a break. I mean, how do, you, how do we explain that to the folks, Keith? Uh, He's getting his headset back on. He's getting back uh, on the mic. What's, what, what's happening? Well, tell what's us the truth. What's happening? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some truths that you're better off not knowing. But on the other hand, um, well, the green room has good goodies. It does. Uh, we always have uh, nice snacks and treats here. That's right. But it keeps always what, eating and drinking something. Well, I'm and chewing, chewing something. I'm <laughs> chewing gum this time. But uh, what I was really curious about is how. The left and their sinister plans to rule the world like Simon Barr Sinister or something on uh, the underdog show has basically been hoisted on their own petard. They, are, they started this Ukraine war to prevent Russia from regaining the type of position they had before the fall of the Soviet Union, which was as a regional superpower. They did not want them coming back. Of course... Russia thought that now that we're not communists, uh, we'll be accepted back with open arms into the family of the European nations. But that's not what Victoria Newland and Anthony Blinken and John McCain and people like that, uh, John Bolton had in mind. They want them hobbled How is forever. John Bolton and people with that mentality would actually go and fight one of these wars? I would love for him to be anybody who's advocating for it as ardently as he uh, should be first one to, to man up and suit up and get on over there on those front lines. Yeah, he, he can lead the charge up San Juan Hill and <laughs> we'll see how he does. But uh, see, all of these uh, keyboard commandos and these uh, uh, desk jockeys that are the primary warmongers, just like Winston Churchill in World War II, for example, he was supposedly a soldier. He was the worst allied commander arguably in world war one because he was the only one that lost a major engagement to the ottoman turks who basically uh couldn't get out of their own way militarily and had not been able to do so for you know decades before world war one but see what they wanted to do is first they wanted to take down russia knock them down a peg by expanding nato up to their border and this was in direct contravention to what America's president, George H.W. Bush, told Mikhail Gorbachev when they were about to uh, uh, shut down the Soviet Union, and they had Mikhail Gorbachev shut down the, uh, the Russian equivalent of NATO, which was the Warsaw Pact, and he was told that we're probably going to do the same thing with NATO, but we will guarantee you we're not going to expand any closer uh, to Russia. There's not going to be any new nations that used to be in the Warsaw Pact, for example, that are going to be in NATO. Well, they started uh, reneging on that promise under the glorious uh, tenure of 
Bill Clinton. And when the Russians complained about it, our response, our weak and lame response that shows what type of people are running America now was, well, you didn't get it in writing. In other words, we're not men of our word anymore. You have to get something in writing because we're such a bunch of sidewinders. Well, that's what happened. And this whole war could have been avoided if America would have sent a letter like the Balfour Declaration, basically, to Russia saying, we will not allow Ukraine to join NATO. And Blinken, Anthony Blinken, the son of Israel, who is the Secretary of State for the United States under Biden, came back in the most, you know, provocative way possible and said, no, in fact, we intend to bring Ukraine in. So we crossed a red line. We'd been told for decades that the uh, Ukrainian uh, membership in NATO would be a red line that the Russians just could not tolerate. So basically, we called Putin's bluff, and Putin uh, invaded. Now, he did not come in with shock and awe the way the U.S. would. That kind of surprised the U.S. They thought that he would shut down all the infrastructure and everything else and uh, target that in Ukraine, but he didn't because the Ukrainians are kinsmen of the Russians, or at least that's the way that Putin sees it, and he didn't want to do that. But on the other hand, he's not going to give up, and the uh, NATO forces are not going to win this war. But what have they done then? Well, all of their sanctions, economic sanctions that Biden was so proudly extolling is going to bring Russia to its knees, those have all backfired. That's what I think is so interesting about, as it stands now, a, a year and some change into this hot conflict over there, is that the sanctions didn't necessarily cripple them, but it fostered a blossoming alliance with China, which is the probably the second superpower in the world behind the, the, the hushed-out shell of, of America. Maybe the, maybe the premier superpower in the world now. I don't know. But nevertheless... If Russia and alliance, you know, and Russia should have been our natural natural allies. I mean, they they are they another white country. Let's face it, a see, powerful white nuclear armed country that has reembraced at least compared to the West traditionalism and orthodoxy and things like that. Things we can get behind. I know Putin's not perfect. I get emails every day. Oh, you went? Did you know this about Putin? He did this. We didn't like. I I got I got it. But as far compared to what we've got to work with, it certainly looks uh, to be. He's a much more righteous man in terms of his religiosity than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is, I mean, he supports every form of sexual depravity known to mankind. We know that's not going on over there, at least. And, again, they didn't buck break Russia, or at least they haven't to this point. Perhaps they have helped them in a way by bringing China into their coalition, which I hate to see because I would have rather had a, a Russia as an ally than an adversary. Well, to tell you the truth, it may work for the benefit of the United States in the long run because at the same time... That Do you the mean Ukraine, for the United States as, as we exist in it or, or the United States regime and system as it currently exists? No, the U.S. regime and system that is anti-American and particularly anti-white American uh, no, it's not going to work out well for them at all. In fact, they've opened Pandora's box, basically. You have this BRICS coalition, Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, and I forget what the S is, maybe uh, Singapore. Maybe or the South. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but, but at any rate, uh, Russia has all this oil to sell. Uh, everybody 
that is in the know says that either a NATO ally or the United States was responsible for bombing that Nord Stream pipeline. But guess what? They're still selling petroleum products like nobody's South business. Africa is the S in bricks. It's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, if you can believe it. Well, you know, he's going down. Uh, Putin is going, uh, I think, in July. I the South was August. in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that Putin is going to visit South Africa, I think, in the late summer, either July or August. And we, need, we, need Simon, a, we got to get Simon Roche in the in the room with him. That's what we yeah gotta we got to do that. But see, this is uh this is a big problem because he has Russia and Putin have oil, and the rest of the world is hungry for that oil. And America, because of the nitwittery of the left in America, is trying their best not to produce oil, which we have in abundance and could be selling to our uh, allies, but we're not. And so our allies say, uh, with friends like you, America, who needs enemies, What's we, the need big to get, problem? we need to get theirs. What's the big problem that the system has with Russia? Let's just, let's just get frank here. Well, the problem with Russia is, one, it's a white nation. Two, it's a traditionalist nation that is Christian. and uh, Pushing back on global homo, and, and, as it Yeah, were. pushing back on global homo is not into the woke agenda and whatnot. And see, that's what the left... And global meant. homo, by the way, means globalist homogenous. It doesn't have anything to do with homosexuality, although I don't think uh, oh, well, Russia's you know, a haven for that either. But Russia wants to exist as its own nation. Well, the thing is, they do not want to... See, the people that are supporting American-led hegemony in the world talk about all the time, quote-unquote, our democracy. By that, they mean global homo. And most of the world does not want to sign up and invite global homo into their nation. They have enough homosexuals and enough uh, <laughs> transvestites as it is. Well, it doesn't have they're just not, to do with that, but I mean, they're, it does they're, have they're, to they're do. They're not wanting to promote that. The whole part and parcel system is what global homo is. And that's certainly a big part of it. We'll be right back. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Rich Johnson. Thousands of people in and around Richmond, Indiana, remain away from their homes thanks to a huge fire at a recycling plant. Richmond Fire Chief Tim Brown says a dozen buildings filled to the ceilings with plastic continue to burn. It is very difficult. We have to have enough water to overcome the BTUs that the fire is producing. Um, and we're on a small water main in this area, so we really didn't have enough water. Brown says it could be Saturday at the earliest before crews will contain the blaze. That's put a massive cloud of toxic smoke into the air. No word yet on the cause. Falling grocery and gas prices contributed to a drop in the government's top gauge of inflation. The consumer price index rose by one-tenth of one percent last month and by five percent from a year ago. Last month's year-over-year rise in inflation was 6%. A 5% annual gain is the smallest annual gain in nearly two years. Beware of traveling to Russia. That's the warning to all of us in the USA from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. This in the wake of the arrest of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich. The State Department's man in charge of hostage affairs, Roger Karstens, says Russia has still not allowed U.S. diplomats to see Gerskovich. By international law and convention, we must receive uh, uh, permission to conduct a consular visit. We're hoping the Russians allow us to do so. Uh, will that happen? It remains to be seen, but that is that is an obligation 
by convention and international law. Karsten says his office is also working to win the release of American Paul Whelan, and an offer is on the table. The call is growing among Democrats for longtime California Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign. The 89-year-old's been out sick with shingles since early last month. Combined with the absence of Pennsylvania's John Fetterman, it erases the Democrats' two-vote Senate majority. This is USA News. Do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at crazy low prices. They have access to great prices and discounts at over 500 different airlines. Plus 300,000 hotels and rental car companies. Their prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping so stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight let one of our smart fares expert travel agents find the best price for you call smart fares today and get ready to see the world with a fat wallet 800-871-3291 800-871-3291 that's 800-871-3291 Well, right on cue, Keith, we were just doing a little bit on Russia, and just when I thought I couldn't like them anymore, I got that news that uh, Blinken, who you just mentioned as well. Winking, blinking, and nod. Remember that? Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The old nursery rhyme. Blinken said uh, that no Americans should travel to Russia after they, quote-unquote, wrongfully detained... A Wall Street Journal reporter. Look, no American should travel anywhere because of Blinken's policies and Biden's policies and Mark Milley's policies, Lloyd Austin's policies, you know, and we could go on forever. America is intensely disliked in large parts of the world. And quite frankly, my advice to you is to stay home until things settle down. And uh, see, did you notice during the Trump administration it was never said out loud, but you got the message loud and clear. Trump, you better not go over there and start getting chummy with Putin. Why? Because they had this Ukrainian war on their drawing board ready to go. That's right. That, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I believe that. Uh, but now Russia has detained a so-called reporter. Now, the media here are truly enemies of the people. I can't say they're enemies of the state because the state empowers them and, and they are... The mount- state they is are- the enemy of the people. The, the deep the state, state right. is... Yeah, it's, it's like and these, these Soviet their- Russia all over again, only we're now uh, <laughs> the Communist Party. Well, these are their our mouthpieces. The so-called reporters, the so-called journalists are the mouthpieces of this state or this system or this regime, whatever you want to call it, that is not the friend of the people. And in any event, uh, one for the Wall Street Journal. Now, the Wall Street Journal is supposed to be a conservative... Newspaper, as far as it goes, but believe me, they're not. Uh, uh, look at the name of this guy, that Evan was, uh, Gershowitz. Okay, now Gershowitz. if that's not Jewish, I'll eat your hat or I'll well, eat your yarmulke. Sometimes yarmica. you are wrong. Sometimes anytime, anytime somebody's up to no good, you 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 think they're well, Jewish. you know, a lot well, of times you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm only right ninety nine percent of the that's time. Right. Well, we can't. But at any rate, look, these people are 
the most liberal part of the white population. They're two percent at most of the U.S. population. And you talk about a, ta- a, a tail wagging a dog. The Jewish population in America rules America. Well, here's what and we've got. All of our institutions, it has since um, basically the Reagan administration. Occidental Observer, one of our daily reads, has two articles out about Jewish influence on U.S. presidents. The first one was Woodrow Wilson, and the second one they chose, above all others, was Ronald Reagan, this so-called uh, conservative champion. He was beholden to them in all sorts of ways that were very. It was fascinating to read that Occidental Observer article, and I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, Russian authorities formally charged the so-called reporter last week with collecting information, and I quote, information constituting, constituting, what am I, I, can't, I couldn't read the writing here, constituting a state secret about the activities of an empire within Russia's military-industrial complex. Well, I, I wouldn't put it past him, that's for sure. Uh, in any event, uh, I, you know, you just hate to see a journalist get thrown in jail, don't you, Keith? Uh, we'll see what happens. With <laughs> no, that. no, they love throwing journalists, particularly right-wing journalists, in, uh, in the jail here in the United States. But see, this is what's going on, and the rest of the world is aghast. America used to be the good guys. Even in Eastern Europe now, there's still some ambivalence about Putin because they have a long memory of what they suffered by being part of the Eastern Bloc during the Soviet or uh, Russian period. But on the other hand, you know, in today's world, that's passe. Russia wants to rejoin the company of European nations. And Putin thought that there was no uh, going to be no pushback about that. Instead, the uh, if you know uh, if Germany could Biden unpack administration itself. and the Democrats and the left had other ideas. They want to spread globo homo, and they know that Putin's not for it. And quite frankly, you would be hard pressed to find another world leader of a country outside of Western Europe that is. If Germany could uncuck itself, and we had this conversation, I believe, with Sasha Rossmuller earlier this year. If Germany could uncuck itself, Germany and Russia are such natural allies in many ways. I mean, imagine a future in which an uncucked Germany and Russia uh, are, are leading. Well, what are we leading need to Europe. do, quite frankly, America doesn't have any business running Eurasia. Uh, we need to go back to uh, one of the founding fathers, one of the real luminaries of the, among the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, who said that America wants... Uh, friendship and honest commerce with all nations, special relationships with none. And if we had just that was before that, Israel was, came around, right? Man, that, that was before we were letting in uh, the second great wave of immigration, beginning in 1890, when uh, the doors were open and Jewish uh, immigrants started to come in, particularly from Eastern Europe, Ashkenazi Jews. All right, now. Let's uh, move back and take a quick look at some of the recent developments. <laughs> Here stateside, Donald Trump, I, certainly his persecution is going to help him clear the field within the Republican primary. Now, whether it, how much it helps him if he can, if he's not behind bars by the time the general election comes around, because we talked about this last week, he's still going to get indicted by Fannie Willis in Fulton County, Georgia, uh, the DA there, and most likely in Washington, D.C. as well. But certainly in Atlanta, in addition to the indictment and arrest he's already suffered up in New York with Alvin Bragg. Uh, Alvin Bragg or Braxton Bragg, Keith, this Confederate History Month? Well, Alvin Bragg looks like Andrew H. Brown on the Amos and Andy <laughs> show. He's just a typical poor kind, overweight black guy. 
and he went to Harvard Law School. I guarantee you the only way he would legitimately be on the campus of Harvard Law School would be if he was on the north end of a southbound broom. Who do you think is smarter? Who, you know, he went to Harvard, and he's the DA up in New York. Who do you think's got more intellectual chops, you or Alvin Bragg? Well, I'll tell you this. I'll uh, ask him to disclose his LSAT on the 1,600, uh, 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 no, on the 180-point uh, uh, standard they used to have with mine i had a 170 i guarantee you he did not have something that high but he was let in as an affirmative action hire and as like most of these affirmative action hires that go to places <laughs> like harvard he has just been employed in the private uh, in the public sector he can't make it in the real world trying to make money but then again if you had gone to harvard tip. if you had gone to harvard you would have never Descended into the political cesspool. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, you have to sell your soul. Once you go up there, you've got to become one of them. And quite frankly, I never even aspired to go there. I wanted to go to Vanderbilt. But then Vanderbilt is like the decided they wanted to be like Harvard and Yale. And they instituted an affirmative action admissions policy. And uh, I was one of the first victims of it. All right. So you're... You 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 put your IQ over Alvin Bragg, no problem. I I don't have any problem about Alvin Bragg or Braxton Bragg. Uh, I still think I'm above. <laughs> no, no 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 between Alvin Bragg and Braxton Bragg. I don't know. Uh, Braxton Bragg I think was smart, but he was hard headed and he was not. Uh, he, he was too cautious, just like PGT Beauregard. Both of those guys probably cost the South the Civil War and. Uh, Bragg at Chickamauga and PGT Beauregard first at First Manassas. He could have captured Abraham Lincoln like the Texans captured Santa Ana and put an end to it real quick. And then secondly, when he took over for Albert Sidney Johnson after his untimely death at Shiloh. Yeah, God, Shiloh. Bedford Forrest wanted to come down. He said, look, let's capture Pittsburgh Landing. They can't land. Don Carlos Buell, the uh, other Union general can't unload his troops here and will win. But Beauregard said, well, no, let's wait. You know, he doesn't want to, you know, I don't believe in fighting at night. You know, I might, might miss my beauty sleep or something. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, the I was saying that Trump has pretty much cleared the field, at least as far as the primary is concerned. I guess the specter of, uh, not Phil specter, but the specter <laughs> of... Ron DeSantis running is is still out there, but well, in the, in the, Ron DeSantis could serve a very good purpose if he would enter the Republican primary and be the uh, bull in the china shop and say, Donald Trump, what were you thinking when you appointed Mark Milley as the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? <laughs> what were you thinking when you fired Jeff Sessions, who basically sacrificed his whole political career for you and was one of the first people in Washington to do it, but you sat there and just fiddled while Rome burned while Rod Rosenstein was being wired for sound trying to trap you into saying something that could get you impeached. But you wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. What's wrong with you, Well, Donald he could Trump? do that without enlisting in the primaries, and he should. But uh, Somebody needs to do it. I would love that. to see him ask those questions 
on the stage, point blank, uh, where he can't go back. He doesn't need to get himself. into the primary right now. He needs. He, well, he, somebody he, need look. It doesn't. Hold on, your your mic's all over the place. He can do it from the. He can do it from Tallahassee just as he, easily. He, look, the but there is, are people that are in the primary. Yeah, somebody in the primary needs to do. Well, it I don't so think it's going to be. The, I don't think it's going to be the people who have announced so far. You've got the veritable whack pack of GOP. Establishment peak people, Nikki Hokey, and we'll tell N- you. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's three of them. Okay, Nikki, Nikki is one. Whatever her real name is, I can't remember. Nimrata. Uh, but what's her last name? Okay, that one is. Uh, you got me <laughs> we'll, on that. We'll be right. There's two others. The bottom of the barrel of the Republican establishment. Asa Hutchinson and Rick Scott now is considering no, no. getting involved. Tim Scott. Tim Scott. We'll be right back. teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21. Our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3. The many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus. Quote, my sheep follow me, unquote. And, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27. The beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon. Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. I had, I had to look up her name. It's Nimrata Randhawa. I guess I'm pronouncing that right, or it's, it's close enough. But in any event, there are at least three announced candidates who are going to be seeking the Republican Irishman. nomination against Donald Trump. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Asa Hutchinson. And I, South I Carolina is one of my very favorite states. South Carolina is at the very top of my list of favorite places. And the people there are so wonderful. I mean, we've got such a connection with South Carolina. And how did they get Nikki Haley and Tim Scott? I mean, Tim Scott, the affirmative action placeholder there in the Senate. And then Asa Hutchinson, who former governor of Arkansas, total cuck. I mean, he, he illustrates uh, the definition he of He basically of thinks that white supremacists are the only group worth opposing in America. 
He's on board with the transvestites. He's on board with homosexual marriage. He's on board with every type of perversity and uh, non-traditional way of doing things that you could imagine. He's basically a Democrat in Republican clothing. And he sits there and cloaks himself in sanctimony all the time. And he thinks that he has something to offer. You know, he has the same thing to offer as somebody like John McCain. Uh, may he rest in peace. But, you know, uh, there's no uh, – hopefully he'll get flushed. Out. He'll be beaten like a, a barred mule in this uh, primary, and that will be the end of his miserable career as a politician in America. You know, I'm, maybe maybe he should uh, well, go, go over to um, – Neither of them are going anywhere, and neither neither of these three are going anywhere. None of these three, I should say, are going anywhere. And it, it, it makes you wonder why they would even run at all. I mean, it costs a lot of money to run. They've got to be getting some sort of uh, Yeah, they're going to be paid this. by the powers that be, and the powers that be are Jewish, and they're wealthy. And they fit theirs. That's why people like the Bushes keep running, and everybody says, no, we do not want more cowbell. Don't give us any more Bushes. Don't give us any more Kennedys. Don't give us any more. Well, there uh, is a Kennedy wars. running now, I think. Yeah, but he, the only thing he's good on is the pandemic. Everything else he's a standard-issue liberal on, so do not be fought, fooled by that wolf in sheep's clothing. All right, now listen. So Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, we're not, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere, but that, that is the announced opposition to Trump, so that's, he's going to mow through them like uh, Sherman's army through Georgia. <laughs> Bad example. Well, on Bad the other example. hand, uh, it does have the Confederate history. How about history the, Confederate, uh, the Confederate army at Chancellorsville? Unfortunately, we had no one as ruthless and as uh, cruel as uh, William Shirt. Of course, you know, it's never hard for an army to march through defenseless populations with women and children and no men. But, you know, he was good at that for sure. It's a lot easier to kill livestock (laughs) than it is enemy soldiers. I don't know if he ever outmaneuvered Forrest. That's for sure. When he had to face face men, when Sherman had to face men, he didn't do quite as well. Well, see, Forrest begged Braxton Bragg to let him harass Sherman on his march through Georgia. And if he had... It would have been an entirely different ep- uh, episode than the one that happened. But Braxton Bragg, again, proved that he is very consistent. He can always make the wrong decision. Well, of course, Sherman himself said that Forrest was the most brilliant soldier that the war produced on either side. But any rate, uh, while we have that whack pack that's running in the GOP primaries, you had a picture that looked like Donald Trump's imagining of the A-team, you had Donald Trump, right after he got indicted in New York, he went back to Florida, he went to a UFC, uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship match in Miami, and he was pictured uh, sitting there uh, with Kid Rock, Mike Tyson, and Dana White. Uh, Dana White is the guy who runs, is the president and the founder of the UFC. So you had Donald Trump, Kid Rock, Mike Tyson, Dana White, all hanging out at the fight. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, the opposition is Nick, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Asa Hutchinson. Anyway, uh, let's get back. All of this, everything that we're talking about, of course, blends in wonderfully with our special series this month. We're about to get to the first of two great guests you'll be hearing from this evening, John Hill, the closest living descendant of General uh, A.P. Hill. You can call him A.P. if you so choose. You can also use his full name, Ambrose Powell Hill. But the idea that... Any of this is going to be reconciled. It'll never be reconciled. And this is some of the things I got into in my interview with the American Free Press this week. They said, why this book? Why now? And, and again, it has become increasingly clear. We talked about this last week. You, you can't vote yourself out of this terminal decline. You vote for a guy like Trump. They arrest him. They try to put him in prison. You can't 
legislate your way out of it. We talked about that last week, these various state governments uh, who pass laws to protect uh, the will of the people and only to have them overturned by rogue federal judges in other parts of the country. Well, so see, the time has come right now, to consider got, a serious alternative solution. We've got a Supreme Court that will back us out now, of, which is a, a, a unique thing. hasn't happened since 1954. But maybe uh, what they're going to do if Biden gets in and gets a little bit more of a, a margin they're going to pack the Supreme Court. They're going to have 30 members and uh, all the new members. Well, you are you be already leftists. hear this, too. I mean, why is the Congress capped at this number of people? Why can't we have, you know, 800 congressmen and things like that? So, uh, yes, that's right. And, uh, of course, we have nothing in common with the Washington, D.C., New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago axis. Uh, we have nothing evil. in common with them. A true axis of evil. Yeah, that's right. Not one that was made up by the neocons. Uh, in terms of political beliefs, faith, folkways, racial identity, and more, the South and many places in the heartland and even the Mountain West are, are, are really and truly a separate nation by the most basic, basic of those prerequisites. And so the, what we've got here now isn't a sustainable model. A, a, a nation, a true nation, is bound by blood and soil, not consumerism and degeneracy, which is the only thing that's holding America together is, is, is this failing economy. Degeneracy and sexual perversity are sacraments to the new left in America. And, of course, there's an appetite for national divorce. We've talked about that exhaustively the last couple of weeks. That wasn't there even as recently as a decade ago. And, and so uh, we, we've got this book out now that has been, you know, outside of the media and outside of the few true believers that, they, that there are in the radical left-wing menu that's been served to us here in this country around the world in a lot of places not just throughout the south but around the world the confederate flag of course serves as a symbol of freedom and resistance to tyranny that's what it means to so many people i mean to us it means more than that it's our it's our very blood it's our it's our very people but to people like uh, sasha rossmuller in germany tom sunik i mean it's a it's a symbol of resistance to tyranny a symbol of self-identity and freedom yeah, re really the best people think very highly of the confederate flag all over the world because it is a it is a symbol for resistance to tyrannical government well, that's absolutely right. And so uh, will uh, will the time come again that we have an opportunity? I think so. Again, the economy collapses. You continue to mismanage the situation with Russia. And now their partner in China. 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 And now you, China. You, you up here sandpapering the Wildcats ass with China by sending people over there. They're doing military exercises around there. And all you're doing is hastening the day when they come in and they're going to say, what are you going to do about it? And if they try to do something about it, you know, uh, the balloon has gone up. And I think and certainly China would rather be bordered, and, and Russia and China share an extensive border. I know a lot of Americans don't know that because a lot of Americans don't know anything, not talking about this audience, of course, but I'm quite sure that China would rather be bordered by based Russia uh, than uh, a kept Russia uh, than, than, than of Massachusetts NATO Washington. Yeah, or California. exactly, which is what it would become. Uh, which is what they want it to become uh, anyway. So you continue to mismanage the situation geopolitically in that part of the world. The economy continues to, to flutter and, and become more and more inflated. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there could very well be an opportunity. Already the people are ready for it. I mean, already you've got tens of millions of people uh, that, are, that are entertaining this idea and say that they think that their state would be better off, that they would be better off individually, and that their state would be better off. So we wait for the, the man who will come and 
take that message and uh, ignite it. But uh, I think that there is that groundswell of, of support uh, just beneath the surface. They just need a hero and they need a, a circumstance. But I think that the timing may be coming. So anyway, folks. It's uh, not for, that we're that attractive. It's that the left is so oh, unattractive. Oh, I don't know. I think we're pretty attractive. Well, well, I think we, our we message is very we are, attractive. We are attractive. But even then, the people that before were not on our side, the thing that's getting them there is the absolute horror that they, oh, uh, believe they, me they recoil from. The I've left. said this for years and years and years. Uh, the day it becomes easiest to be a nationalist, I mean, everybody's going to fall in line. And not just because it's the pathway to expediency, although that's what it, all it will take for most people, but because it is so right and it is so true and it is so natural. I think our opponents I, I, are so wrong and so unnatural. I think it will be a lot easier for our people to fall back in line than it was to get so many people to at least pretend to go along with the uh, the, the the current system and the, and the current ideology. And, and, and think about this too, Keith. I mean, constant, 100% media echo chamber throughout all of the mouthpieces of the regime, every paper, every magazine, every television channel. A little name and corner. They're all promoting this 24-7, and they've capped out at about half of the population. I mean, that has to be discouraging. Throughout constant bombardment, constant, incessant propaganda through every media organ in this country, and they've tapped out at 50% of the people, 50% of the people, even through constant brainwashing through all of the institutions from kindergarten through, through uh, higher learning and all of the media, they still only captured about half of the people that are going along and voting, voting for the left. I mean, that, that's something. Well, that's, that's something. That's because these pe most we people, don't have any. Like, we don't have any uh, megaphones, and we've still got half the people. I mean, we've got this, but well, see, I was thinking about this. You know, the effect of the media is so great that it's really easy to est underestimate. What if, for example, Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom's murders were brought up almost quarterly, at least semi-annually, by a big media blitz like Emmett Till is? You know, compare. The murders of Emmett Till with the tortures and murders of uh, mm -hmm. Christian and uh, Newsom. And, you know, just think about that. If they if if the media wanted to get behind that, they could turn the whole thing around. If you control the media, you know, Marshall McLuhan was right. The medium is a message. If you control the media, you control reality. You control other people's perceptions of the ultimate reality. And so many people are so lazy they only get their news by accident and when they're flipping on the uh, and when and the when they have total control of the media as they do to still be hitting the ceiling at about 50 percent of the general public think of what we could do with it because it's a lot easier to tell truth than lies i think i still believe that There's also some inertia for example blacks may vote for the democrats but they uh have sermons every sunday preaching down or uh, going against what their programs are regarding sexuality. Versus. Well, you know, at least there's that. But in, in any event, folks, that wraps up our first hour. Be sure to check your mailbox this week. You want that special autographed copy of the book. Uh, we would love to have your support. This support is in addition to, not in substitution of, our regularly quarterly fundraising drives. Uh, but this is a special event, very special book, very special series. So we send out that very special announcement. So be sure to check it out. And, uh, again, we'd love to have your support. We really need it. Uh, we will be back. Confederate History Month continues with John Hill next. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. 
You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life, before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. to the political cesspool on resolutionrdo.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423.
You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. with that, ladies and gentlemen, our Confederate History Month series continues here on TPC this Saturday evening, April the 15th. James Edwards and Keith Alexander now very pleased and honored to welcome uh, to the program, even after all these years of doing Confederate History Month series, a brand new guest making his debut appearance. Uh, His name is John Hill, and he is, as we mentioned at the top of the show tonight, the closest living descendant of General Ambrose Powell Hill, A.P. Hill. Uh, John exhumed General Hill's remains in Richmond, Virginia on December the 13th of last year. He was the pallbearer at his reinterment in January of this year, and he is now also his national guardian. Uh, John Hill travels the country giving speeches and memorials for General Hill. He also flags graves and clean cemeteries along the way. You're going to learn a lot more about John Hill's work. No relation to Michael Hill, at least not that we know immediately. But uh, John Hill's work tonight and a lot more about one of the heroes of the Confederacy, General A.P. AP Hill. John, it's great to have you tonight. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. I look forward to hearing some of the presentation that you give to the different groups that you speak to, a little made-for-radio version of that. But first, let's talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about your ancestor for sure, but let's talk about your ancestry in general. When did you first find out about your lineage here? Um, I got into genealogy back in uh, May of 2020, uh, yeah, April or May of 2020, and I just saw that all of my ancestors were from the South, and I traced them all the way back to uh, my 12th great-grandfather was George Hill. He came on the uh, first supply of to Jamestown of 1608, and he is the uh, great-grandfather of, I think great-grandfather of Edward Hill, who owned uh, Shirley Plantation. So the Hill Carter family of Shirley, I'm a direct descendant of the Hill Carter family of Shirley Plantation, and my 14th great-grandfather is Humphrey Lee. So I traced my Hill and Lee lines down to Robert E. Lee, and I'm also related to Lee through two other lines, the Augustine Moore and Elizabeth Todd lines. So I got four of my family lines that go directly to Robert E. Lee, but I also traced my Hill lineage directly to uh, A.P. Hill. But you really do. It's not like this creep that claims he's Robert E. Lee's nephew and he goes around uh, preaching against him everywhere he goes. You heard of that guy, Keith? But, but no, you actually do. And so you're telling me, though, 
as I often joke, I descended from the only private in the Confederate Army, but I knew about that uh, even growing up. You just found out about this within the last couple of years, or did you know about it before then, but you only recently connected the dots through the historical research? Um, I never really, me and my dad were never really into genealogy and stuff before, um, but he, he passed away in 2014. But he always told me growing up um, that we have a lot of Confederate ancestors, and he said probably hundreds, which he was right. And uh, he said he just doesn't know names. He just said our whole family's from the South. He said, I know we have a lot of Confederate ancestors. And he just never know, knew who exactly who it was. Well, how then did you get into it? Uh, this is Keith, uh, John. Uh, did you get into it through Ancestry.com or, or something like that? Or did you just... Yeah, uh, the funny thing ha- is that... Uh, a maiden aunt that kept up with that stuff. Yeah, the funny thing is I was a, I'm a steel worker, and actually the reason why I got into it is I got laid off because of COVID. And uh, they laid us off for a couple months, and I was, yeah, I was bored. So I decided to get Ancestry, and that's how I started with Ancestry. That? And then I actually became a genealogist for the SCV. I've done genealogy for about 24 or 25 people now. I do it all for free. and But I started with Ancestry.com. But then I went to Family Search. I went to WikiTree, Genie, Find a Grave, Fold Three. I use all of them now. I know how to confirm documents, and you know you don't you don't just want to go on one source. You want to have multiple sources to make sure it's accurate. That's incredible. So God's hand, and boy, does He work in mysterious ways through COVID. There's a silver lining in every dark cloud. Isn't How it? about that? That's what got you. Uh, that's what gave you the time uh, and opportunity to to really dig in deep on this. And you knew that you had descended from Confederate veterans, or that you had Confederate blood in you, but you didn't know that it went all the way necessarily to the top. What was your reaction uh, in this day and age when, of course, our history and our ancestry is is so besmirched and ridiculed, uh, and and of of course, not deservingly so, to say the least. But what was your reaction to finding out that you, these are your guys? I honestly couldn't sleep the first night. I was so excited. I mean, my dad, my dad was like a Confederate soldier <laughs> transported from 1861 or something. Just growing up, how he acted, he was so old-fashioned, old and he acted literally like he was a Confederate soldier. I mean, he had the same mindset, you know, freedom, states' rights, all that, growing up, and... uh I was never into any of the liberal stuff or anything. So when I found out that my whole entire lineage was from the South, I don't have one Yankee in my family tree. And I was so excited <laughs> when I found good out man, about Lee and Hill. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. Well, there's a lady, somebody, before I got permanently banned on Facebook uh, over two years ago <laughs> for yeah, being a domestic terrorist or whatever the heck they wanted to call me. But before I got banned on there, I was on a genealogy uh <laughs> on a genealogy page and a lady, I forgot who it was. Some lady who was a professional genealogist said, there's no way you don't have a Yankee. You know, everybody has somebody in both sides. So I gave her my information. I said, here, you can look at my family tree. Here's my login information. She came back to me two weeks later and she said, sir, you have not one Yankee in your family tree. I said, I told you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know how uncommon that is to be honest with you. I mean, our, my folks came in through South Carolina down to Mississippi uh, yeah, I, I, I. My first ancestor was 1659 in Culpeper County, Virginia, and um, you know, it's just uh, the only really distinguished one I have was General William Alexander in the Revolutionary War, who covered Washington's retreat 
from the uh, Battle mm-hmm. of Long Island and basically is responsible for Washington not being captured and killed and ending the revolution. So that's good. I, I'm, I'm big in the SAR and the DAR. In the, I'm like James, though, when it comes to the Confederacy. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm the only person descended from a, pres- uh, from a private, and he, <laughs> and, and, and he had a very colorful la- name, I.E.S. Alexander. He was in Forest 15th Tennessee Cavalry. And uh, IES mm-hmm. stands for Independence Ellen Shuler Alexander. Yeah, you know, we were in South Carolina. I know John, uh, I actually got John Hill's contact information, our guest tonight, from Dixie Republic when I was there a couple of weeks ago. Just saw his card sitting on the desk. I said, hey, what's this about? I, and I said, well, I got to get this guy on the show. But uh, any event, uh, we will be back. We will be back. So much more to talk with John Hill. We're going to learn more about his activism, how you can support it, and more about the great A.P. Hill, when we come back. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. True Passover versus Easter. The Catholic Church and most denominations follow the Jewish Passover. Here is the Jewish tradition. The Passover takes place 14 days after the new moon, after the equinox. But what does God say? In Isaiah 1, verse 14, quote, Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being, unquote. Now notice God's word versus Jewish tradition. Quote, In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight is the Lord's Passover, unquote. That's from Leviticus 23, verse 5. God's year begins on the spring equinox. Passover is always on the 14th day of God's year, the 14th day after the equinox. The Sunday after the Passover is Resurrection Sunday. None of this is about fertility, which is exactly what Easter is all about. Easter bunny and eggs, fertility rites, are paganism. So hurrah for our Southerns who altered their stand To fight to defend their family's homeland For the blood and the price they paid for us all Hurrah, hurrah for you all Hurrah for the mothers of all the brave sons Hurrah for the brothers who all became one For our valiant countrymen who answered their call Hurrah, hurrah for you all Hurrah for the wives left widowed and alone Hurrah for our heroes who never came home For our warriors who watched their fathers fall Hurrah, hurrah for you all Hurrah for the future they dreamed they'd all see 
Old times not forgotten and never will be For the bold in allegiance to uphold our cause Hurrah, hurrah for you all Yes That's beautiful. I had never heard that before. I want to thank the audience who never lets us down. This is always such a well-received special series that we do every April here on TPC. And uh, that was sent in to me uh, by a listener. And you can find that. That's more contemporary Southern music. Uh, that's by Rebel Sun. The name of the song is The Final Confederate. You can find that on YouTube, if you could believe it. Uh, Rebel Sun is the name of the band, and the final confederate is the song. And uh, yes, indeed, we salute them all, not just the men who fought and died, uh, but their wives and their children and uh, all of the people of the South during that time and beyond, all of us still today who suffer as a result of it. Hurrah to them all. And I love what Mark Tommy said on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yes, we honor them during Confederate History Month, but uh, certainly we fight to finish the job as well and uh, see through uh, their vision. Uh, well, back with us right now is John Hill, the closest living descendant of General A.P. Hill. I really enjoyed, John, listening to your story in that first segment, uh, how you began to research your background, your reaction to finding out who your ancestors were, uh, and then, of course, all of the work you've done since finding out. I mean, it wasn't enough for you just to connect the dots of your lineage. And we'll talk a little bit later this hour uh, about how uh, you carry on the, the fight in, in your own way. Uh, but first, let's mm -hmm. talk about General A.P. Hill. I think even uh, after nearly 20 years on the air, he has been one that we haven't really detailed a lot on this program. So we're happy to have you do the work for us here. Uh, as so many of the Confederate veterans, or the leaders, the, the generals at least, they were Army men uh, before enlisting, enlisting with the Confederate States Army, and so too was A.P. Hill. Uh, give us a little bit about his background, his early life, and his years before 1861. Um, I can actually tell you in his own words. I have a letter here uh, written by A.P. Hill, October 25, 1863. It says, General Hill was once asked for a sketch of his life. His answer is contained in the following letter, which is preserved in the State Library. Headquarters, 3rd Army Corps, October 25th, 1863. My dear sir, your letter has been received, and I cheerfully give you such information as I can. I was born in Culpeper County, Virginia, on the 9th of November, 1825. My father was Major Thomas Hill of the same county. My mother was Fanny Russell Baptist of Mecklenburg County, Virginia. In 1842, I was entered as a cadet at West Point, graduated in 1847, and was appointed brevet second lieutenant in the 1st Regiment United States Artillery and assigned to the light battery of Captain Frank Taylor. Marched from Veracruz to the city of Mexico with the command of General Joseph Lane, acting as adjutant of an infantry regiment commanded by Major Henselman, it's a hard name to pronounce, engaged in the battles of Humanolata, Puebla, and Atalexo, by promotion of Major T.J. Jackson, who was Stonewall when he got promoted to first lieutenant, I was promoted to second lieutenant 20th of August and assigned to Magruder's Battery. In 1849, ordered to Florida, promoted uh, first lieutenant September 1851, and served in Florida and Texas until the winter of 1856. When my health became, when my health became very much impaired, by the kindness of Secretary Davis, who is Jefferson Davis, 
detailed for special duty in the United States Coast Service, or survey, and was upon this duty when the war broke out. I resigned my commission on the 1st of March, 1861, was appointed Colonel of the 13th Virginia Regiment, May 9th, 1861, and ordered to Harper's Ferry. Brigadier General, February 26, 1862, Major General, May 26, 1862, and Lieutenant General, May 26, 1863. Very respectfully, A.P. Hill. Well, he did a very nice and concise job of uh, detailing his life there in that one letter. That was impressive. Let me ask you this, John. Yeah. This is Keith. Tell us mm-hmm. a thumbnail sketch of how he distinguished himself in the war, major battles he was involved in, uh, roles that he played in those battles. He was actually in every battle. Um, he was a very aggressive leader. And when he got promoted lieutenant general, his rank actually kept him out of the battles with his men, and he didn't like that. But when he was brigadier general and major general, he actually used to ride so far out in front of his men that he almost got captured many times. And one soldier estimated he was about 600 yards ahead of his men during a charge. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> he one we time caught him a, Forrest, I think it was Hill and Forrest could have done together with uh, that that kind of aggressiveness. Oh, yeah, I've said that for a long time. Him and Forrest, if Stonewall would have never died and Hill and Forrest were together, we would be singing Dixie right now. I mean, we wouldn't have. <laughs> we'd it sing it anyway, USA, but we'd be, be singing it as. Yeah. <laughs> we'd be singing it That'd as. That'd be the national anthem though, of Dixie. Sure. <laughs> the new national anthem. All right. That's it. Yeah. Um. Just to tell you a little about him, like he had a lieutenant who was towering behind a tree and Hill rode up and he tried to break his sword on him and the sword just bent when he hit him with the sword. He hit him on the leg with the sword. So (laughs) Hill reached down, grabbed his rank off his collar and ripped it off and said, I reduce you to the rank, sir. And he says, if you don't go fight with your men, I'll have a, he was going to get an order of firing squad at the end of the battle to kill him. He was very he was a very aggressive leader and he also really loved animals. Anytime he ever caught anybody, any of his men or anybody abusing a horse, he would ride up and he would use the handguard on his saber, his brass knuckles, and punch him in the back or the back of the head with it. And <laughs> they knew it became very well known not to ever abuse an animal in front of AP Hill. I, you, you're talking about he was in every battle. I mean, certainly he wasn't in every battle that was fought. I know you didn't mean it that way, but we, we, when you say he was in yeah. every battle, every battle that he was at, he fought in. He wasn't, you know, back in the tent or, or, or back in the mess hall or anything like that. He was there, and he was there with his men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Mike, I mean, it almost as if it was literally in every battle, uh, especially on the Eastern yeah. Theater. He was at first and second uh, Manassas. He was at Antietam, Fredericksburg, Chancellorsville, Gettysburg, the wilderness, on and on. The siege of Petersburg. Of course, he. Well, we'll get to the third battle of Petersburg in a moment. But he was at all of those and so many more. I mean, imagine what he would have had to have seen during those four years, because he was uh, part of it until the very, very end. Was he involved in Gettysburg, and if so, yeah, what role said. did he play? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he was pretty sick during uh, the Battle of Gettysburg. He kept trying. He he was actually riding in an ambulance wagon. For a lot of the battle he was uh he didn't like to you know be down and out but sometimes he got so bad off that he couldn't even walk 
But, I mean, even when he was on a furlough, he would always come back early from the furlough. He never, he never wanted to be out of the battle. Nothing could keep him down. And I actually got to see the hat that he was wearing during the Battle of Gettysburg. They have it at wow. the uh, – used to be the Museum of the Confederacy, and now they turn it into a liberal American Civil War museum that's all about slavery and everything. Mm. But uh, I contacted oh, the guy, the director of the museum, and he who, gave me a private viewing the, of Hill's I, item. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt this, but we, we had on our very earliest – series uh, of, I believe it was back in 2007, I mean, one of the very early installments of Confederate History Month on this program, we had the the then director of the Museum of the Confederacy on, and it was certainly not like that. It was called the Museum of the Confederacy. Who is in charge of it now? It's probably not the same guy. Well, the, I don't know who's in charge of it. I know there's different names out there. The guy who I talked to, I think he's the director of the, the relics. Like, I don't know if he actually okay. runs it. His name was uh, Mr. Hancock. He was He was nice yeah, and everything. Okay. He gave me a private viewing of Hill's items. Their excuse, I think it was Robert Hancock, their, his excuse was that uh, they have over 15,000 items in the back, and I guess they said the new building is not big enough because all of Hill's items are in the back. They're just in storage, basically. So he let me come in the vault, and he had everything laid out for me, and uh, I got to see A.P. Hill's vest. One of his shirts. I got to see the spur. One of the spurs he was wearing when he when he died. Uh, the hat he was wearing when he died. The hat he was wearing in Gettysburg. I got to see all that stuff. That's incredible, viewing. incredible. Well, listen, folks. I am fascinated. I'm sure you are as well. We've got two more segments with John Hill, the closest living descendant of the General A.P. Hill of the Confederate States Army. We'll learn more well, about A.P. Hill. One of the Next. statues removed. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing Liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. Inflation may be slowing down. The Consumer Price Index rose by one-tenth of one percent from February to March, thanks to lower grocery and gas prices. But the Labor Department's top gauge of inflation is slowing down in the long term. The CPI rose by five percent from last March to last month. February's year-over-year rise was 6%. President Biden's praising the progress in Northern Ireland, 25 years since the Good Friday Agreement that ended most of the violence between Catholics and Protestants. But I believe democratic institutions established through the Good Friday Agreement remain critical to the future of Northern Ireland. Biden spoke in Belfast, which he says is poised to drive new opportunity and investment that will benefit Northern Ireland, the U.K., and the U.S., a massive fire at a plastic recycling facility in the town of Richmond, Indiana, continues to burn and produce a plume of smoke so large it's showing up on weather radar. As for when firefighters might control the blaze? We're estimating into Saturday morning at this point. Um, it depends on whether we can get back to where we need to get to the seat of the fires, uh, to the hot spots. Richmond Fire Chief Tim Brown. The EPA is monitoring the scene of a truck accident outside East Palestine, Ohio. A truck carrying 40,000 pounds of toxic soil from the site of that train derailment overturned on a state highway. Former President Trump's lawyer in the New York hush money case is asking for a one-month delay in the start of the sexual battery and defamation lawsuit now due to start in about two weeks. E. Jean Carroll has accused Trump of raping her in the mid-90s and attacking her credibility over the incident that he denies ever happened. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott says he's thinking about running for president and has formed an exploratory committee. 
If he runs, Scott would be the second South Carolina Republican to do so after former Governor Nikki Haley. This is USA News. Imagine getting ahead of your irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C by treating it with Linzess. Then you could start proactively managing your constipation with belly pain and get ahead of your symptoms. Talk to your doctor about Linzess, linaclotide. Linzess is a prescription medicine that treats IVSC in adults. It's not a laxative. It's a once daily pill that helps you get ahead of your symptoms. It's proven to help you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Imagine, what could relief from IBSC mean for you? Talk to your doctor and say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. A fitting song for our guest right now as we learn more about his ancestor, Lieutenant General A.P. Hill. Let me ask you this, John. It's Keith again. Mm-hmm. Was your uh, ancestor buried on Monument Avenue? Was there a statue there for him? Yes, and oh. that was his headstone. That's what we're in. Uh, that goes all the way back to May 2021 when I contacted the city of Richmond when I heard they wanted to take it down, and they put me in contact with Andrew Moorhead and a lawyer, uh, Perrier, and uh, I've been in contact with them since, and then I went to the actual court case in Richmond on September 29th of last year. I uh, proved my lineage to Hill, and I told him, you know, that's, a, that's my family name. That's a headstone. That's not, that's not a monument because he's buried underneath it. And we lost that case, so they, we filed a motion to stay, and they denied it instantly. So then that uh that, that week before December 12th, I forgot what day it was, they told me that uh, they're taking the monument down on Monday, which was December 12th. So I drove eight and a half hours straight and was there the day they took down the monument, did a bunch of uh, news interviews and stuff. And then the second day was uh, the day we finally got down to his remains. He wasn't buried standing up in the base of the monument like some, there were some rumors that I don't know when that started but he was actually in the mound underneath the monument. And once we got down to the dirt and the mound, we found his grave, the three big capstones that were over his grave. Um, I had the city workers get a tarp to hold up so nobody could see his remains. And I exhumed his remains with the uh, funeral home director. And I just, I couldn't believe I was actually holding the remains of a Confederate general but we were putting his remains in the body bag and there was dirt in the bottom of the grave because it was stone lined. So we were putting some of the dirt in the body bag too, because his, there were smaller bones and other DNA that's in the dirt. And while I was going, you know, we were gently shoveling the dirt into the body bag. I was looking through the different shovel, uh, the, the dirt in the shovel. 
and I actually found three pieces of his uniform and three of his buttons. Damn they these were, people! One of them you can see it was a Virginia button. Yeah, I I don't I don't go to uh, Richmond. I only go to Richmond to defend Robert E. Lee's house there. Uh, the one he was at, the, the smaller brick house after the war, or I'll go there to defend Hollywood Cemetery or visit Hollywood Cemetery, but I don't go to Richmond. I won't give them any of my money. I won't shop there, eat there, nothing. And this this level of savagery to, to dig up the remains of men so far better by every standard of measurement to those who uh, would uh, attack their character and what they stood for today let this be remembered to everyone as we continue their struggle for a free and independent South. And if you want a, a, a photo, of course, we had that here with Forrest, although we have no direct relation to Forrest, as John Hill does with A.P. Hill. I mean, he's still our hero, and he's still our, our countryman, and uh, the, for that indignity, let it be remembered as we continue the struggle. You can see a photo uh, on our Twitter uh, handle tonight for the weekly show promo of uh, John Hill with uh, in this moment that he just uh, described. And uh, thank you, John, for being there for General Hill in that mm -hmm. moment. Uh, Keith? Well, what happened to Richmond and the Confederates buried there is like what's happened in a lot of southern cities, Memphis included. You know, they removed Forrest uh, and his wife's body and probably what I think is the finest equestrian statue ever cast yep. uh, of him. It's moved up now to his... Uh, to the SCV headquarters in uh, mid Middle Tennessee. But mm -hmm. this is all a result of white flight. You know, if white people had stayed in Richmond and Memphis and not moved out to the suburbs because of uh, the integration of the public schools and uh, rising crime rates, things like that, we would have had people in these cities that could have voted against uh, what has happened. Uh, you know, removing all Confederate monuments and whatnot. But, uh, you know, as these cities turned black, it, they got the population in solidarity with the leftist leaders that wanted to get rid of this. It's really kind of a sad story. That's what's happened in the South. Although you have, you have to certainly be able to understand why the people left these very dangerous uh, uh, areas now. But anyway, let's 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 not focus on the current politics of it. This is about General Hill. This is General Hill's hour. Uh, we've got about five more minutes before the break, John, and I want mm -hmm. to, of course, wrap up in the next segment with uh, some of the places you're speaking to and uh, some of the other things you're doing and how people can support that work. But uh, when you're giving these presentations, uh, did Hill himself ever write, or is there any record of what he said he was fighting for? We know what the world says our, our heroes were fighting for. Did Hill himself ever document the reasons why he himself was fighting for the Confederate cause? Yeah, there's there's actually two things I can get into about that. One was in the 1850s when he wrote his brother. Um, he detested slavery. Hill never owned a slave. He didn't like slavery. Um, his uncle, his father, other family members of mine did. Um, in the 1850s, he wrote his brother, Edward Baptist Hill, who was a prominent citizen in Culpeper. There was a young Negro that was uh, uh, proven innocent after but he was mob lynched in Culpeper for the alleged murder of a white man. Hill fumed to his brother and wrote a letter to Edward Baptist Hill. And uh, A.P. Hill said, Virginia must crawl unless you vindicate good order or discipline and hang every son of a B word connected <laughs> with the outrage. 
A.P. Hill, he, he didn't like what happened. He didn't like the lynching. He didn't like slavery. And I don't know if you guys know that uh, his roommate at West Point was McClellan. And he even oh, stated McClellan didn't want him to leave the U.S. Army. And in letters back and forth and in talking, um, he tried to ask Hill not to leave. And Hill stated in a letter that he could not engage in a war against his native state but he would defend her to the death. And so that, which that Mc, was the reason. Uh, McClellan that... agreed. Yep, and McClellan agreed and said, I cannot blame you. Very so similar they, to Lee. Um, Very similar to Lee. Yeah, yeah. That's how, because back then, you know, their states were like their country. It, it's, it's different now. But how it was back then, Virginia was like his country. He couldn't. He would never fight against his native state of Virginia, and that's because why. Every, it's it, like as you said, it's so different now in that with with travel being as easy as it is between air travel and interstate travel, everybody from everywhere mm -hmm. lives everywhere now. But back then, everybody that lived in your state was related to you. I mean, you would be literally fighting against to subjugate your own family. Yes, and there's a couple more things I can uh, tell you real quick before this segment is. Uh, Sure. You know, he was a very aggressive leader, but he also had a big heart. And before the light division left Fredericksburg, after the Battle of Fredericksburg, Hill and his men donated $10,000 to help the citizens of Fredericksburg. $10,000 then was over $290,000 in today's money. Yeah, it's still a lot, though. So they, yeah, he, you know, he, I, so many people get, give him a bad rap. I mean, people think he was a slave owner and, and the naming committee that, that's renaming the forts, they pulled up census documents saying Ambrose Powell Hill owned 30 slaves. Ambrose Powell Hill was his uncle. He was named after his uncle, his dad's brother. So they try to use that as A.P. Hill's census document. A.P. Hill wasn't even in Virginia at that well, time. Well, they might as well go ahead and rename Washington, D.C. because George Washington himself owned slaves. And I don't have any white guilt about any of that. See, uh, but... yeah, that, that, that whole no. thing, basically, slavery was legal back then. And uh, quite frankly, all these black people that have benefited from coming to America would never have come here had it not been for slavery. They didn't have an NBA or an NFL back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, the union, so you know, you... You look at some of the union views on, on slavery, and if you want to get upset, and mm -hmm. if anybody's upset about slavery, you can read some of the things they said about it. But of course, that, that's just a, oh, that's just a tool. If you were a black use. person back then, would you want to live in a cabin on a beautiful plantation and be taken care of and have food and water provided and because they didn't treat their slaves like they like people nowadays say they did no no they the most fortunate homes and that's right most fortunate black slaves in the world at the time were the ones that came to north america the ones that went to the arab countries were worked to death and the males castrated with a full castration which led two-thirds of them to die from loss of blood the ones in the caribbean and south america were worked to death uh, at the the very least you can say about slaves in North America is they were treated like prized livestock. And I hate that so much of what uh, you know our our conversation about uh, these heroes has to be uh, tied in to that uh, one way. Or, well, one well, way. Or we're another. not the ones that said that. That's that's yeah. a topic that they want no, no, to no, argue no. about. Well, I get it. I I get it. But as as John, yeah, was I saying, can't post I mean, yes. anything without them saying that. Every every Health. time I post something about AP Hill, they just bring up slavery, and it's not even. I'll post about his daughter's yeah. dog, and they'll bring up slavery. <laughs> As a matter of fact, but this is the reason I think they were even talking about it now. As a matter of fact, these are the facts. 
vis-a-vis slavery in, in AP Hill. And uh, anyway, we'll be right back. One more segment with John Hill, host, living descendant of AP Hill. Next, you know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family, we the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Ladies and gentlemen, every single hero of the Confederacy is deserving of an hour-long spotlight on this program. I mean, and even that's a filthy offering compared to, to what they gave us. Uh, but we do the best we can to honor these men, certainly throughout the year, but especially on Confederate History Month. And every every Confederate hero from the general with the most illustrious portfolio down to one of the unknown confederate soldiers buried in these mass graves across the country uh, whose names are only remembered by god every single one of them are deserving of an hour See, we mentioned this the other day the confederate flag is popular throughout the world as a symbol of defiance to tyranny and it's a, it's not just a southern thing it's a, uh, something that people well, who and- are interested in human freedom still flock to to this day oh that is exactly right keith and uh that is why this is this is a series that is so popular not just amongst uh, our regular listeners but uh through our, our international audience as well but uh, what i was saying was while every 
Confederate soldier is worthy of, of remembrance and worthy of an hour-long spotlight and then some. Uh, it is rare that we have the opportunity to speak with a, a, a direct descendant or a living descendant, uh, rather, of, of uh, someone like Lieutenant General uh, A.P. Hill Jr. And, and stressed on the junior, as we were just mentioning, uh, as, uh, as rather John was just mentioning to us in the, in the, in the previous segment, uh, he was named after his uncle. Uh, but in any event, you go and you travel, John, across the South, and uh, you, you give presentations to different groups about A.P. Hill. Let us just sit back and give you the floor here. Uh, it could be during the war years. It can be a story or an anecdote from his life uh, bef before <clears throat> the war. Of course, he, did, uh, he was killed in battle a week before Lee surrendered, literally seven days before Lee surrendered at Appomattox, which is, uh, man, that's something. But uh, in any event, tell us a story that you'd like to share with the audience. It could be, again, war years or before, anything you want the audience to know about AP Hill that we haven't covered yet. Okay, I'll probably mix around a little bit. Um, I can tell you something during the West Point years is that they used to have an annual dinner at West Point for the cadet officers on George Washington's birthday. Well, one year they didn't invite the cadet officers for some reason to the dinner. So that made them, you know, they were pretty upset about that. So Hill, Burns, and Heath, and some of the other cadet officers decided they wanted to ruin the dinner. So they went down and stole turkey, all the sides, cigars, and wine. They took it all back and had a big party in Hill's room. And the men were stated saying that no turkey has ever tasted that good before or since. <laughs> well, I see, thought that was a pretty you, funny story. Well, we were talking about this. It is a funny story, and this is something you and I were talking about on the phone. And, and please continue. I, I, I'm not going to interrupt you again. I want you to take mm -hmm. the, these last few minutes to just share some stories like that because, you know, they're always remembered for what they did in the war or by the world to remember for mm -hmm. other things. But, you know, they, to, they didn't do in the war. To, yeah, right. Uh, to bring the humanity back to these men, they were men. They were people who lived and had hopes and dreams and families and. Uh, they were they were real people, uh, much more than just just a soldier that you read about. I mean, these were people who lived life. Well, this story had me laughing a lot. He was when Hill was in Florida. It was over towards the Tampa area. Um, he ended up staying at an old woman's house. Him and a couple other soldiers. They let them stay there for the night, and the uh, the old woman was deaf, almost deaf. And Hill said he nearly ripped out his throat screaming at the old woman trying to get her attention and talk to her. He said, but the whole time he was lusting after the lady's daughter. And he said, man, how I wish that old woman was blind, not deaf. Because <laughs> she kept catching him looking at the daughter, and he said, I wish that woman was blind, not deaf. But he hated a the true, bugs in Florida, man. too. He wrote letters about that. I mean, I, I well, grew I mean, up in Florida. I lived in Florida for 20 years. I hated bugs, too. I, I, I don't know if that oh just runs gosh. in the Hill family because oh, my dad We, we did, have a but... Confederate general buried in Memphis that was from Florida, Patton Anderson. And he was like mm -hmm. Forrest, one of these guys that was not given enough uh, credit by the Confederate military hierarchy. He and Forrest, if they had been given broader commands, made a, may have made a big difference. But he's a – I can take you right mm -hmm. to the grave. In fact – Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis has the most Confederate generals buried in it of any cemetery in the world, with the exception of Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, and we'll That's... close the segment with this, we got to get you to Memphis uh, for, for some reason or another. As, I, I know as, all as the SCB yeah. uh, groups around here, and I, I've spoken to them, and I'm sure they'd love to hear your presentation on your ancestors. And we'll talk a little bit about those well, travels actually... and how people can get you to, to, to come and speak to the group. Go, go ahead, John. I'm actually coming to Nashville. Uh, my girlfriend has a work event, 
they got her salon got an award and we're going to Nashville for a couple of days. I think it's on the 26th, I think of this month. So if I have time, I'd like to drive out there and meet y'all and maybe go up lunch or something. Do this all over there. again. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can take you around. I'll keep, I can show you the places like on Forrest's second raid on Memphis. Where he was trying to liberate the Confederate prisoners at the Irving Block prison because they had such a shortage mm-hmm. of manpower. Well, give us one more story, John, and then, uh, like I said, I do want you to give all your contact information, traveling around the country, raising awareness, flagging graves. It, uh, it isn't free. It costs money to do that. We want people to support you, uh, and uh, we want people to know how they can get you to come and talk to their SCV camp or, or whatever other group uh, may be uh, in, in store for such a presentation. Obviously, much harder to give an uninterrupted presentation in commercial talk radio. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, but give us, give us one more mm-hmm. story, if you can, from AP Hill. The life of AP Hill. Um, there's a couple longer stories that uh, that I include in my presentations uh, th- that people find those really interesting. I actually even pass around some relics for people to hold that were part of AP Hill's boyhood home and stuff like that. Uh, another cool. story that I thought was interesting is during the war, towards the end of the war, uh, Lee stated in a letter to Jefferson Davis when they were needing more generals to the Army of Tennessee, Lee stated in a letter to Davis that uh, – they could send any of his generals to the Army of Tennessee if needed, except for Hill, because mm. Hill and Lee became very close. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, I'm related to both Lee and Hill. They were they were cousins through my Hill lineage. And A.P. Hill's daughter, Lucy Lee Hill, was named after A.P. Hill's sister, Lucy, and he she was named after Robert E. Lee, Lucy Lee Hill. And in May of 1864, uh, Robert E. Lee was at the christening of Lucy Lee Hill, and he was also her godfather. And that was the funny story I had about the dog, is that um, Robert E. Lee would go visit her after the war. You know, after A.P. Hill was gone, he would go visit Hill's wife and daughter, and the only way he could get in the house is Lucy would run to the door with her puppy, who she named Bobby Lee, and she would make Robert, mm. Robert E. Lee kiss the puppy before he can come in the house. Uh, can you imagine seeing that? Imagine having seen that. I mean, the South was so good and and and, and filled with such people. And and it's well, it's just what we were yeah. saying a moment ago. I mean, you didn't go to war against your state because everybody in your state was your relative. I mean, these people were cousins. They were, but you know, Hill was a guy. Of course, everybody knows Robert E. Lee's heritage and and ancestry. But uh, the uh, A.P. Hill was born, raised, and and died in Virginia. So the the fact that they would be related uh, by by some number. Uh, of of cousins is it, it, almost to be expected, and uh, as we said a moment ago, uh, Hill died just seven days before Appomattox. I believe he said, I believe I've read in the past that Hill said he did not want to survive in a world in which the Confederacy had capitulated, and God granted that wish. Yeah, he didn't want to see the fall of Richmond. I actually have a story about his uh, his death. I don't know if we have enough time on this segment, but I included in my uh, my presentations. So if anybody'd like to hear, it's a very interesting story. It tells the actual. I I know the true details of of how and why AP Hill got shot. Can and you give us a sixty keep... second? A sixty second. I mean, I know that this is not nearly enough time, but can yeah. you give us sixty seconds on on how he died. So he was out with his courier Tucker, uh, Sergeant Tucker, and they came across a couple of Yankees. One was Walford, and the other one was uh, Corporal uh, John Mock of the 138th Pennsylvania Infantry. Well, they they try to say that Hill was the one that acted aggressive and wanted to 
take them prisoner and stuff like that. But actually, the real account was it was Tucker. Tucker rode up to them, and they raised their rifles. Hill spurred his horse to go catch up to Tucker. When Hill caught up to Tucker to, you know, to back him up, and they were talking to the Yankees, they still had their rifles up, pointed at Hill and uh, Tucker. Well, Tucker freaked out, and he reached over and grabbed the bridle of uh, Hill's horse. When I have horses. You know, everybody knows you grab a horse's bridle, it causes them to spook. Because they always say that the bullet went through A.P. Hill's thumb and went through his heart and came out his back. Well, if he was just sitting there on his horse, there would be no way the bullet would go through with his hands down. The bullet wouldn't go down through his thumb and then up to his heart. So what people left out of that story is that when Tucker grabbed A.P. Hill's horse's bridle, the horse spooked. A.P. Hill got distracted and pulled back on his reins. When he pulled up and back on his reins, that's when the Yankees shot. Mock's bullet went through A.P. Hill's thumb, went through his heart, and came out his back. Tucker left that part out of the story. He just says that he grabbed Hill's horse's bridle after Hill got shot. But that was actually the reason that distracted A.P. Hill that got him shot. Wow. I include wow. stories like that, like where he was taken after he got shot. He was taken to his cousin's house in Chesterfield County. He was buried in Chesterfield from 1865 to 1867. July 1st, 1867, he was relocated to Hollywood Cemetery in plot N35 until uh, 1891. July 1st, 1891, he was put in the, buried in the mound where I exhumed his remains, and then the monument was built over that mound and dedicated May 30th, 1892. So I just give details like that on where he was taken after he got killed, the wagon that he was, his body was being carried in had four different size wheels on it uh they they got a uh, casket for him and his first burial they got a casket for him from a local furniture store that was broken into and they couldn't find a casket anywhere so they got a casket for him that was too small from a furniture store on 12th street i mean i give details about personal details about hill and other details that people don't know about him because he really Full is complete. least forgotten general unabridged and uninterrupted is the kind of speech which we, we can't have on talk radio, but that he can give to your group. John Hill, thank you for sharing with our audience a little bit more about Lieutenant General A.P. Hill, your ancestor. If people want to contact you, if they want to support your work, if they want to have you come and speak to their group, uh, how can they get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at JohnnyReb1989. You can find me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Reb underscore CSA. Uh, and then you can also donate to my PayPal at Save Our Heritage. And my GoFundMe is the uh, AP Hill Legacy Foundation. And, and we've got it, it just all... covers costs for travel and gas. And we've got it all at the top of our Twitter handle tonight as well, at James Edwards TPC and on our website, thepoliticalcesspool.org. John Hill, God bless you, brother, and Godspeed. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Is there a count somewhere? You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. 
ResolutionRDO.com. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. Your home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide, as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. You fought all the way, Johnny Reb, Johnny Reb. You fought all the way, Johnny Reb. Speak highly of your name Cause you fought all the way Johnny Rip, Johnny Rip You fought all the way Johnny Rip It was within your lifetime, Keith Alexander That that was a big hit on the pop charts there by Johnny Horton I remember it, and that was about the time of the centennial of the Civil War And you heard him say that uh, even your enemies uh, speak highly of your name they don't anymore, but, uh, you know, they did back in the early 60s. Now, of course, that is the song nearest and dearest to my heart out of the Johnny Horton catalog, but I would have to say my favorite Johnny Horton song is North to Alaska. What about you? I bet you're a Battle of New Orleans type of guy. I like both of those, and, uh, you know, he had a lot of songs. He was a, a, a major country singer. He married uh, Hank Williams' widow, and he was killed in an automobile accident because back then they all had to travel all over the place to, you know, do performances in order to make a living. You know, they didn't make the living off of their records. The records got them popularity, but they made money off of personal appearances. Well, when do we get to do that? Well, you do. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, you don't do. You go around. But uh, yeah, we get around. Yeah, we do the appearances just without the money. Yeah, uh, that's but, it. I don't know. What's <laughs> <laughs> up? Anyway, welcome back, folks. Uh, we had uh, this is an interesting night tonight in that uh, we had uh, one guest making his debut appearance uh, uh, on our program during Confederate History Month. Uh, to uh, the next who 
is uh, most certainly a CHM mainstay for us. I want to thank again John Hill uh, for appearing in the last hour to tell us more about his uh, relative, uh, General A.P. Hill. Uh, John Hill has, uh, in the last couple of years, driven 11,000 miles going around Dixie and beyond to uh, share presentations and give speeches uh, about A.P. Hill and the Confederate cause. Uh, A.P. Hill, of course, was uh, like General Forrest, Dug up and reinterred by these uh, savages uh, of, these the, of the ghouls on the left, and uh, he is now buried in uh, Fairview Cemetery in Culpeper, Virginia. We didn't get a chance to get into that with uh, Mr. Hill in the last uh, hour, but we t- stayed with him after the break and talked to him off the air. And uh, he's there every uh, every month. He said to make sure that the grave is being watched over and protected, and uh, so. Uh, you can pay your respects to A.P. Hill, who was showcased tonight uh, on our Confederate History Month series at Fairview Cemetery in Culpeper, Virginia. And be sure to get in touch with John Hill and have him speak to your local group if you can. Now, though, let's get uh, to the anchor of tonight's broadcast as Confederate History Month mainstay, as I just mentioned, uh, Mr. Kirk Lyons. Kirk the Lionhearted, as we call him. Around That's here, right. right, Keith. That's uh, right. <laughs> Kirk co-founded and serves as the chief trial counsel for the Southern Legal Resource Center, a nonprofit public law corporation which offers legal support to defend First Amendment violations, violations of civil rights, and discrimination against advocates of Southern heritage. Kirk is a longtime friend and a longtime guest on this show, and it's always great to have him on. Kirk, how are you doing tonight? Not doing too bad for a man of my age and bad habits. <laughs> I tell you what, man, if I had uh, if I had your vigor. And if I had uh, your your uh, uh, ability in in a party setting, I, I you never run dry. You never go empty. Your tank is always brimming. Uh, his glass <laughs> never runs dry. Yeah, well, I don't know about. Fun, no, no, I mean it. Uh, I mean it, and it's always great to have you on. Hey, and I heard, I heard, Kirk, uh, that you're the newly minted uh, general of the Confederate Air Force. You were. You're about to take to the skies uh, for a recent operation, were you not? Well, we have been we've been doing that for several years on behalf of uh, uh, Save Southern Heritage, and uh, yeah, we were going to fly over the Carolina Cup in Camden, South Carolina, last week, uh, actually on April Fool's Day, with a Never Nikki message, and uh, unfortunately, uh, tornadoes uh, further west of south carolina and just high winds all over made it too dangerous to fly so we weren't able to uh, fly over the carolina cup which is the first premier horse race in south carolina in the spring but now uh, we did we did get some people up to um uh, lexington county south carolina where nikki haley was having a presidential rally uh, for about a hundred, it had about a hundred people show up, <laughs> but we had flags. We had flags and never Nikki posters outside. And, and that you was know, I let her know that we still remember her. Yeah, you still remember her treachery there when she was uh, there as uh, governor, governor Absolutely. of South Carolina. Well, it's good. It's good that she be faced with the flag. Uh, uh, that flag which stands for uh, resistance to oppression. Uh, and, and tyranny, we will see it again. and she will we see will it again. That's again. right. Now, you you have done, as you mentioned, the uh, the aerial messaging for for a few years now. So it's not always is. It, I, I'm sure that the messages uh, sometimes rotate. Uh, 
and and perhaps it was for for the for for good that we saved the uh, jet fuel this week because I think there might have been more people in the cockpit of that plane carrying the banner than are actually going to be voting for Nikki Haley in any Republican primary election. But <laughs> what are some of the other messages you uh, you you take with these uh, aerial aerial well, assaults? Well, for, for a while we were we were picking on NASCAR. We've done several NASCAR flyovers to uh, uh, great acclaim. Uh, we've done several picking on Jacksonville for their takedown itis of Confederate monuments. Um, so they're, they're the message the message changes depending on which venue we decide to pick on. I, I, I hate I hate to quote Churchill and uh, for any reason, but Kirk kind of reminds me of we will fight them in the air. Well, what, give me the quote and, and give it somebody give me the, the hedges quote. and the uh, uh, <laughs> something wrong. We will fight them in the beaches. We will fight them on the. Well, my yeah, favorite quote I, for Winston Churchill though is this: "Love them or hate them, Churchill knew how to use the English language." Oh my! Well, he weaponized the English language. Well, I mean, that, there's no that, doubt that, about yeah, it. Yeah, he had that right. ability. If only he was as good a military strategist and a uh, political scientist as he was a speechmaker. I remember one of his famous comments well, was that dogs look up to us, cats look down on us, but pigs consider us equal. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Kirk reminds me of Churchill, and, and pardon the comparison, Kirk, in so much as uh, you you're fighting them in the air with these with these. Uh, Plain messages and and also in court with the SLRC and and on the streets yeah. as well. Go go ahead, Kirk. Well, I have a, a, a Churchill quote you might like. Um, All right. Um, well, hey, I tell back, you what. I tell you what. Te tease it. Wait, 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 wait. Te tease us. Tease us. Tease us. Tease us. Tease us. I, I, I want people to try to imagine what this could possibly be because we got to come up on a break. And when we come back. We'll get that quote from Kirk Lyons of the Southern Legal Resource Center. We're going to find out more about his work in the courtroom on behalf of these issues as Confederate History Month rolls on this April. Stay tuned, everybody. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com fighting for the soul of liberty and true pursuit of happiness for everyone. Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. It's the ultimate summit for liberty, educating and empowering through art, music, film, and comedy while promoting economic freedom and highlighting today's political issues. Use promo code ROUND50 to save 50 bucks off the current rate. Reserve your spot at freedomfest.com. See you in Memphis. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. 
Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Chatter from the cold outside Saw the bullets open up the wounds in your side I saw the young boys as they began to fall You had tears in your eyes Cause you couldn't help it all But you fought all the way Johnny Rip, Johnny Rip You fought all the way Johnny Rip Always great to talk uh, with old friends, new and old, I guess, as we're doing tonight, but always great to talk to Kirk Lyons in any capacity, whether it be on the phone, in person, on the radio, or wherever. Uh, Kirk has been a longtime friend and a longtime champion of uh, free and independent South and uh, of Dixians here uh, alive and well today. Uh, his work with the Southern Legal Resource Center, you can read more about it at S. LRC-CSA.org, SLRC-CSA.org. Now, uh, Kirk, uh, we just switched over to a landline with Kirk. You said you have a Churchill quote people will appreciate. Well, uh, during the uh, Indian independence movement, uh, you know, Mahatma Gandhi was the leader of the uh, uh, the breakaway, you know, trying to break India away from the, the empire. And uh, Churchill was quoted as saying that he would not sh shake hands with Mahatma Gandhi because he wouldn't shake hands with an adult that wore diapers. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it is interesting. That's fun. I've never heard that before. That's funny. Uh, it is interesting, though. I mean, even our adversaries like Sherman and even Lincoln himself would say things that we would agree with wholeheartedly from time to time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a, a shame that they wasted their lives in service of the dark side. But uh, in any event, they did. They, I mean, there were things that these people say that they're 100 percent agreement. It just does. Uh, and, you know, what? another thing that we mention often here is that, you know, all the issues that existed then that called for secession still exist today and maybe even in uh, greater degree than they did back in 1861. I, talk, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Let's we're talk more about divided, that. if it's possible, than we were in the 1850s. I well, that's something that's been uh, we've been drum beating that uh, for for quite a while now on this show. And Kirk, I, I do want to get in, but since Keith brought it up, and I'm glad Keith that you did, uh, I do want to get in with you in a moment, Kirk, about some of the, your work in the courtroom, some of your cases, some of the things you do with the SLRC, some of the things that you're fighting right now. But yeah, I mean that that that's been something that we've sort of revolved around here in the last few weeks is this uh, this new poll out, 47 percent. Uh, according to Rasmussen, say that they uh, 47 percent of Republicans say that they're in favor of a national divorce is what they're calling it. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think? I mean, do you think that the, the prospects of some sort of a balkanization or secession or more likely now than at uh, other I, I points? I think in we just got a, a lurch upward to that probability when um, the um, the so-called rogue nations, Russia and China and India and OPEC, have agreed on uh, 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 a common currency. And my understanding is that that, uh, that is going to be the rupee, going to be the, the, the reserve currency for them. But I think that they will eventually choose the yuan. And uh, that's going to put the dollar in a tailspin, in my opinion. And so, you know, I've, I've always thought that 
economic implosion of this evil system would be the best way to break it up peacefully, if that's possible, if that's possible. The well, same way it happens silver in, lining in, the in every dark countries. Well, you know, Keith, it's, it's amazing because Keith was just talking about that earlier in, in the program tonight. And uh, I don't guess it, it should be amazing that uh, smart people have uh, – commonality on uh, or agreement on on certain issues and outcomes but well, let's let's let you hold forth there a little bit longer on that kirk i mean the idea that uh perhaps there's a greater probability now than at any point in our lifetimes that this thing could come apart at the seams i mean we're talking about economic collapse the, the situations relative to what you just mentioned yeah, and then also I mean, now, well, no nobody can advance our position like our opponents before. Yeah, go ahead, Kirk. And what the whole situation with Russia? Than we've ever been before, trillions and trillions, and that just cannot go on forever. Cannot. And um, you know, the man thinks that he can control the economy like he control the weather. Maybe. <laughs> no. You know, uh, we learned in 1929 that man can't control the economy forever, and and it can happen again. And well, they've um, gone far beyond that the, now, Kirk. They want to control human being... sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the dollar is in decline and even more, and, and it's being supplanted by a good bit of the world. Uh, we could see an economic implosion in D.C., in, in which case there will be opportunities for states or clumps of states to break away from the empire. See, people forget, do I it. mean, the, the Great Depression of the, of the 20s, directly played a role into the world war so to, to 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 imagine that you can have a great economic collapse there not be some reverberations uh is is i think folly i if if it does happen here and of course you know even in the great depression america wasn't hit as hard of it as, as europe was especially germany if you can believe it but uh, the um yeah and america came out of it through the wars but if if that happens uh, or through the Second World War. Well, because but if, if that, of Ukraine, it, it, there's going to be a reshuffling of the deck, and I don't think America is going to be at the top of the deck anymore. Well, even in the 20s, when that happened the first time, you still had a, a, a mostly a, a homogeneous nation, and you still had a lot of commonality amongst the American people, even though there was still a big difference between the South and other parts. Uh, we were certainly more connected at that point than we are now. I mean, now we agree on nothing. I mean, and not only do we not agree, I mean, there is a visceral hatred between the Reds and the Blues. It's not the, the Blues and the Grays right now. It's the Reds and the Blues. And if it does, if it does fall apart, Kirk, and I believe that it will, I, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, what potentially does it look like, though? I, I guess my concern would be not if it will fall apart. I'm hoping that it will, but that when it does... We get resorted into a sort of civic nationalist, nominally conservative. I mean, certainly better than what we've got now, but we're not addressing the root issues. I mean, what would you? Well, avoiding war is one of the things that will have to happen if it's going to be peaceful. And I'm I'm concerned about NATO nonsense and, and this stupid regime that we live under, uh, weaponizing this war to the point that it goes nuclear in the Ukraine. And, you know, you've got st stupid stuff like the Brits sending depleted, depleted uranium shells to, to Ukraine. I mean, that's madness. That's absolute madness. And, um, you know, I, we have no vital interest in the Ukraine. I mean, the system does, but, but real Americans do not. Right. And, America, uh, American people do not have anything. We were going to throw down with the, with the Soviet Union over missiles 90 miles from us. 
You know, what are we expecting? And, and you know, the other big flashpoint, though, Kirk, is this. We've got also China and Taiwan. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's too much on our plate. We can't handle that. I'm just asking. if I'm, Obviously, I would hate that this would ever happen. I'm just asking for a friend. If, if, if New York City and Los Angeles got hit with a nuclear bomb, could the South survive? I mean, <laughs> would, I guess if they hit D.C., if they hit D.C., Virginia would be in bad shape. But I mean, I'm just, I'm yeah. just wondering. Um, but yeah, I mean, but that, but we joke, but I mean, there, there is a very serious possibility now that you, you that they could mismanage the situation with Russia to the extent that it becomes a nuclear war. I mean, who could have imagined that they would be that reckless? Well, I, I, I guess really, we I really think the people running the West, NATO and America, are more of a danger to push the button than the Russians or the Chinese. If we start losing over there, they just are not going to accept it. Uh, that's, uh, you know, the, the left that wants to uh, spread global homo all over the world. Well, that's my great fear. If, if it, all right, so in any circumstance that facilitates a balkanization or a separation of, of this 50-state union as we know it, or disunion, how do you think, I mean, again, we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves, but Kirk, what would be a plausible outcome for that for the South? I, I, I don't know if we're going back to where we were in the 1860s, but how could we be bettered by what may be coming? Well, I think that we should, we're watching Texas right now, and because they're actually trying to get it on a referendum, and I suspect that the apparatchiks in Texas will try to prevent that any way they can. But if Texas is able to get a vote on breaking away and and starting that process of de-annexing from the United States, I think other states are going to do want to get involved. And they may Wait. either ally with the new Republic of Texas or their own se- secession movements will begin. You just got to have. Who do you, who do you think is the leading is state? Is it going to be Florida or Texas? In Texas? Who do you think is going to lead the pack? Do you think it's going to be Texas or Florida or some other third state in the South? Well, Texas is further along. And Texas has already wisely started building its own reserve currency based on gold. I didn't so, know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's making steps towards that. And it'd be interesting to see what happens by the end of the legislature if the um, the stupid party people in Texas are able to prevent a vote on referendum. All right, hold on. I want to come back with Kirk Lyons and continue this thread of conversation right after the break and still more to come on his work in the courtroom with the Southern Legal Resource Center. So stay tuned. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. The second Tennessee State Assemblyman who was thrown out of the General Assembly last week will probably return tomorrow after a vote this afternoon to reinstate Justin Pearson. 
NBC correspondent Katie Beck is in Memphis. It does appear at this point that there is a, a high probability he will have the votes. There are 13 members of the Shelby County Commission. Nine of them are Democrats. He needs a simple majority uh, to be reinstated and sent back to the state capitol. And most of those commissioners believe he will get it today. Pearson's fellow expelled assemblyman, Justin Jones, was reinstated by the Nashville City Council and returned to the assembly floor yesterday. Both Democrats were expelled by the Assembly's Republican supermajority for taking part in an anti-gun demonstration inside the Assembly chamber. It will be days before fire crews will be able to put out a huge blaze at a plastic recycling facility in the town of Richmond, Indiana. The fires produced a huge black plume of toxic smoke that poses a huge challenge to Richmond Fire Chief Tim Brown and his people. It is very difficult. We have to have enough water to overcome the BTUs that the fire is producing. Um, and we're on a small water main in this area, so we really didn't have enough water. No word yet on the cause. Thousands of nearby residents have been forced from their homes. Falling grocery and gas prices contributed to a drop in the government's top gauge of inflation last month. The March consumer price index rose by one-tenth of one percent and is up by five percent from a year ago. Last month, the year-over-year was six percent. The call is growing among Democrats for longtime California Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign. The 89-year-old's been out sick with shingles since early last month. Combined with the absence of Pennsylvania's John Fetterman, the Democrats' two-vote Senate majority is for the moment gone. This is USA News. Need weekend plans? Check out what's happening at your local Lowe's. Weekending at Lowe's gives you and your family the opportunity to make us your weekend destination. Stop by for free workshops, events, and activities for everyone to enjoy. We're getting active with fun local events like our upcoming Lowe's Bucket Ball Challenge and Kids Workshop. Visit Lowe's.com slash events for our full event lineup. Count on Lowe's for all of your home improvement needs. And now, activities in your community with Weekending at Lowe's. Want to grow your business but don't know where to start? Good leads. Leads are how you get customers, tax help, legal, insurance, home improvement, investment services, and more. Don't pay for someone else's used-up leads. Get new customers now on any budget with Leads Direct for your business at FastLeadsNow.net. FastLeadsNow.net will advertise your business on radio stations like this one, but you only pay for the leads you need. FastLeadsNow.net. FastLeadsNow.net. That's FastLeadsNow.net. Oh, I'm a good old rebel, now that's just what I am. For this fair land of freedom, I do not care a damn. I'm glad I fit against it, I only wish we'd won. And I don't want no pardon for anything I've done. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, righteousness uh, did not prevail during that war. I don't think any of the belligerents could have ever, in their worst nightmare, imagined what America would become. <laughs> just, that, just how crazy those Yankee abolitionists in oh, New England my are. God, uh, they're the ones driving the, uh, uh, you know, the philosophy behind the Democrats to this day. Well, we are talking during Confederate History Month, and I think as, as you've seen us uh, thread in and out of this uh, throughout the first three weeks of our annual celebration here on the show, is 
we're talking about, yes, some of the heroes, some of the stories during that period of our people's history, but also uh, the cause in general and how it can be continued even in, in to this day. So last hour with John Hill, we're talking about A.P. Hill. We're talking about one of the heroes of the Confederacy. Now with Kirk Lyons, we're talking about continuing the battle, how he fights now and some issues that we're watching that uh, may provide us with an opportunity uh, to, to do even more still. But, uh, Kirk, you were talking about Texas and how they may be leading this thing or how they may prove to uh, be the leaders of, of, of the next, uh, the next well, stage. Texas, the, the Texas National Movement has 400,000 members. I don't know any political organization on the right that has that kind of membership. And they are movers and shakers in Texas right now, and they have mainstreamed. And, and they're uh, serious. You know, so they, they're doing rallies all over the state of Texas. How are they represented and in the even state with legislature? Even members, that may not be enough to push the stupid party, uh, which has a lot of rhinos in the Texas House and Senate. But, you know, they're, they've, they've, gone, they've grown exponentially in the last few years. Well, I, I want to I want to mention this to you, Kirk, and answer to Keith's question and get your take on this because, yes, I mean some states, some groups, some organizations, somebody somewhere somehow is going to have to take the lead. I was actually in Dallas. Uh, it all blurs together now. Three three weeks ago, I think, three weeks ago, I was in Dallas to to give a talk, and um, we were talking about some of the things that have happened in the Republican Party of Texas now. You got to remember, of course, that the delegates who attend the state party convention aren't necessarily the representatives that are charged with uh, facilitating the action. But what's happening on a grassroots level in Texas, Kirk, is nothing short of extraordinary. Now, we've talked about this before, but last year, last summer, last summer in Houston, the summer of 2022, uh, I'm reading now from Salon Magazine. All right, this was uh, how Salon covered the Texas Republican party convention and salon writes in houston texas republicans got a taste of just how far right their party has become at the state's gop convention delegates officially declared joe biden to be an illegitimate president proposed repealing the 1965 voting rights act and voted for a platform calling on schools to teach that life begins at conception and to avoid all discussion of gender identity discussion of gender identity or sexuality they went on to uh, add additional planks uh, doing away with so-called gender-affirming medical care for uh, transvestites. So on a, on a grassroots level, Kirk, you've got something really big going on there, and they also voted at that same state party convention that the question of secession be put on the ballot. Now, again, whether the current leadership uh, that's representing this party does it is another thing, but the people are already there. Yeah, and, and that, that's the disconnect, is that that's not reflected in the GOP leadership in the House, which is lousy. Uh, you know, the, the legislature, you know, is, you know, they're the, the GOP Speaker of the House is into power sharing with the Democrats. That's ridiculous. That's insane. But, you know, he hands out, you know, committee chairs to Democrat and Republican alike, and that's just wrong for a majority party to act that way. And, and that's why they can't get anywhere. Uh, plus, you've got these do-nothing governors. I mean, they do some good things, Patrick and Abbott, but by and large, you know, the bigger issues they, they avoid. 
Well, I mean, they could like, avoid they've it. They've never done for... anything on monument reform and, um, and won't, and won't. They won't rein in the University of Texas Board of Regents, and, and they won't defund these stupid, damned, woke universities in the state system. They should cut off every penny to the University of Texas that they can and won't do it. Won't do yes, it. Yes, you're, you're right about all of that, obviously. Clearly, you're right. But I still think that there, you have to invest a little bit of hope in that the delegates of the biggest Republican state party convention in, in, in the country is gone, gone so far to want to put secession on the ballot and repeal the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which, uh, you know, that's really above and beyond. That's You're really rolling big. back. I agree. Oh, that, that's I one agree. Of our, that's <laughs> one of our, our big uh, bugaboos. That's why we have all this electoral fraud, because of the 65 Voting Rights Act. Now, let me ask you one thing about Texas. I understand that the governor is for the state on its own dime finishing the border wall on the border of Texas and Mexico. Now, is that, uh, is that one of these? I have heard is that this real, or is this one of those things that. where the, is this going to be one of those things where when See, all is said and done, more be said than done? Everything he's he's picked that issue to to push because he knows it's good for votes, and 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 you know, so he has come out to finish the border wall. If the South, this is, again, just getting way ahead of ourselves, but you, you have seen, I think, just here recently, I mean, the Tennessee state legislature has done some, some good things recently. The state of Tennessee, the, the Senate of the state of Tennessee, the Tennessee Senate, has just issued a proclamation declaring April 2023 to be Confederate History Month. I mean, look, this is all, uh, I guess, window dressing when you're talking about the very death of our, of our, of our people spiritually and physically and everything else that's going on right now. But, but I, I, here's the point. You're talking about some of the things that the Republican Party of Texas voted into their official state platform last summer. You've seen some good things in state legislatures like in Tennessee. Uh, and I think if you could envision a free and independent South today, uh, they're obviously not going to be exactly where we are in terms of racial realities. But I do think you would see, for lack of a better term, Kirk, uh, you correct me or or, or, or Tell me you see it a different way. I think you would see a, a sort of a Christian nationalist type of, of, of government that is entirely different than the federal government we've got today. Well, you're probably right, especially if as this, uh, this government continues to self-destruct and, and shows itself to be nothing more than the um, boot man for the deep state. So, yes, it probably would look more like that. Give us uh, there's always reason to be discontent. There's always a black pill out there waiting to be swallowed. Uh, you see anything else going on out there in your, your travels and in your work? And, again, and to close the thing out tonight, it's all about the SLRC and your work in the court and what cases you're, you're fighting right now. But anything else going on out there that gives you say, hey, you know, that's something that, that that's a, that's something that's happening that's good that uh, we can we can uh, we can talk well, about. The, the blaming commission's recommendations, which are being carried out right now, has led to a feeling among a lot of Southern military men that they will never, ever again encourage anyone in their family or anyone they know to join the military. Because the, the, the military is saying in no uncertain words, we hate you, we hate your ancestry. Now that brings another question. And we question actually have Kirk. some affidavits that we filed in our um, Arlington National Cemetery case uh, 
that say just that. We will never, ever encourage anyone to join the current woke military ever again until that's changed. Kirk, Kirk, that brings up one more topic. What about a militia unrelated and not part of the National Guard in southern states? I've heard some murmurings about that in different parts of the, the south. There is, I can speak to unorganized militias that are forming in Virginia and North Carolina, and I assume in other states as well. That has been ongoing for the last few years. And and they have competent leadership. It was That's Florida. The thing. Florida was the one I heard that actually had the governor behind it, and he was creating. Well, a they're making a Florida state guard there, which is not under the purview of the federal government, and that's by DeSantis's own. That's what we need. We need a governor behind it in each of these states. Well, I mean, a militia, a well-trained militia, you know, so on and so forth, as as, as it as it goes, uh, is, is certainly valuable. But uh, yeah, so that's the thing, though. I mean, they, you know, that, that's one thing that happens if you withdraw from the armed forces. You 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 uh, take away your ability to be trained uh, in tactics and yeah. Well, well the other firearms, basically. You know, these go ahead, Kirk. with a, with a, a rogue government, a regime. Um, you get position, situations where we could, under weird conditions, end up with firecrackers going off somewhere and, and get a Lexington and Concord. That's, that's also a possibility. Well, that I think could, here's the thing. I, whatever's going to happen, I think uh, we're, we're close enough to it now where we very well may live to see it. And uh, that, that's something we couldn't have possibly said 10 years ago. This country is so divided, and it's just spiraling out of control. We'll be right back. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern Nation, what is Southern Nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, Ann Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixies, Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com.
chainsaw Yankees, I'd like to kill some more. Uh, you know, that was something uh, Robert E. Lee himself said after the war. He would have gone back and fought to the last man. That was that was just something. You see the stakes now. You see where it went. That was just something. You had to fight a guerrilla war. You had to fight on uh, in hindsight. I mean, everybody. It's easy for me to say I wasn't out there four years starving to death and fighting with no shoes and leaving my family behind and all of that. But, uh, man, that, that was a... Uh, that was a cause worth fighting one way or another, that's for sure. Uh, I want to share a letter here that Keith and I have been uh, looking at tonight. It comes from a listener in Cary, North Carolina, and she writes, Dear TPC family, I'm writing to let you, all of you know how much I enjoy the show. You provide a lot of news that you can't get anywhere else, insightful commentary, and a wide range of guests. I also enjoy the archives of your press programs, but most importantly, I think I enjoy the optimism. I really get the feeling that the fight is not over. We are not destined to end in destruction, and I love the sense of camaraderie with other like-minded individuals. Keep up the fight. Well, we thank you so much, listener in Cary, North Carolina, and we hope you'll appreciate the package that uh, we have sent to you. Kirk, would you agree that uh, that the, the fight isn't over yet? We might not be destined well, to end in destruction. Well, Jefferson Davis predicted that the fight would carry on in another time and another age and under different circumstances. He predicted that, that it ain't over. Not by a long shot. Well, you know, it's ironic. And that's that one of the reasons get this why I, I really much like President Trump is because it was his election that brought the deep state out into the open. That's right. It was all we were all tin hat wearers and conspiracy nuts before, and now we he brought the deep state out of the open where we can attack it, talk about it, and not be treated as nutsy cuckoos for talking about a deep state. Well, it's ironic that we get a letter from Cary, North Carolina. I've heard before that Cary is an acronym for Containment Area for Relocated Yankees in North Carolina. But <laughs> what we need to do is, you know, there there is an awful lot of discontent out there in red state America generally. And the best thing driving it is not having a Republican administration under Trump, but basically under a Biden administration and the Democrats, I mean, they just cannot control themselves. They have gone off the deep end. And no rational people of any religious background anywhere in the world supports their uh, initiative to make sexual depravity a civil right. And that's, you know, that that's the best thing driving, you know, that it, that is what is bringing people to our cause more than anything else. You know, the rest of the world says no. You said it a moment ago, Keith, that, and we've said it before. I don't, I don't remember exactly how you worded it this time, but that the enemy has done more to bolster our ranks than uh, than, uh, than Absolutely. Than could have. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to agree also with uh, this lady who sent in the letter about uh, what she enjoys most about the show. It's what we enjoy most about producing it. Believe me, after all these years, is not the sense of camaraderie, but the very real camaraderie that we share with, with great men like Kirk Lyons, who has been fighting this battle his entire life. Now, we've talked with Kirk about uh, 
present day issues and scenarios and had some fun with him about uh, some of the work they're doing uh, with uh, getting the message out to via airplane. Uh, but Kirk is a trial attorney by trade, and that is where he's made a name for himself. And that's why you need to know more about the Southern Legal Resource Center. Kirk, you've been uh, engaged in countless battles in the courtroom uh, relative to our issues. But I-, I know every time you're on, you talk a little bit about the SLRC. But for the benefit of anybody tuning in for the first time tonight or for the benefit of everybody who's heard you many times before but need to hear it again, give us the who, what, where, when, and why about the SLRC, uh, what your purpose is, how people can support you, and some of the things you're fighting right now. Well, the SLRC has been around since 1996. We're a nonprofit 501c3 uh, public law firm that specializes in, in Southern heritage cases. We've represented students, student free speech issues involving Confederate symbols. Um, we have defended heritage groups' right to march in parades with their flags, usually Confederate flags. Uh, we have uh, helped in license plate cases, which now that we have government speech, and government speech is tyranny, by the way, um, we've had that right taken away from us and we weren't able to hold on to it, but we still maintain that that is tyranny to take that speech away from us. There is no such thing as government speech, by the way. And right since 2015, we've almost been exclusively fighting on behalf of saving our monuments uh, under the rubric that first the monuments and then us are going to be taken off the chessboard. And so uh, currently we are joining in a coalition with other groups to fight the Biden regime. It's not a presidency, it's a regime uh, over there blaming commission recommendations that include taking down the confederate monument in arlington national cemetery and we think we have an intelligent chance of winning that if we pull out all the stops and are able to keep going uh we filed a federal lawsuit in the district of columbia the sons of confederate veterans have filed their own lawsuit in the eastern district of virginia which is of course where arlington national cemetery is and so we're pushing those all we can uh, and uh, we just recently got a resolution from the South Carolina State House uh, instructing its congressional delegation to oppose the demolition or removal of the Confederate monument in Arlington. So that's a, a leg up for us as our lawsuit goes forward. That's wonderful, Kirk, because as, as we were joking earlier, I mean, it's not a joke. We have to fight everywhere we can to the fullest extent of our abilities. Not everybody has the ability to get on the radio and do what we do here, and certainly not everybody has the ability to go into a courtroom and practice law on behalf of defending our monuments and preserving our history and our heritage, but you do, and you've done it, as as we just mentioned, for uh, a very long time. And, uh, of course, you know, these these courts are enemy-occupied territory, too. We don't always prevail in court, but we do fight. <laughs> and, and, and the balance of power between us and the left, the left has the National Lawyers Guild, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, with millions of dollars backing them and limitless re- resources. We have the SLRC and Kirk. So he desi- he deserves all your support because he's he's out there on the front line fighting the fight that, uh, you know, mainstream conservatives aren't willing to fight. Uh, Kirk, how can people learn more about your efforts and support those efforts? They can join us on on Zuckerbook page, Facebook, uh, under the Southern Legal Resource Center. 
uh, they can um, send us their email address to kdl at slrc-csa.org, and we'll put you on our email update. Uh, you can get our printed newsletter, which we do still send out uh, on a limited basis, and um, or mail a donation to SLRC, P.O. Box 1235, Black Mountain, North Carolina, 28711. And uh, if you request the mail update, we will certainly put you on our mailing list and send it to you. And, folks, as I said about uh, John Hill, the descendant of A.P. Hill, who we had on in the first hour, you go to our Twitter handle, you go to the website, thepoliticalsuccessful.org, go to the weekly blog entry promoting tonight's uh, broadcast or this week's uh, broadcast, and uh, we link over to the SLRC. So uh, take down all the notes that Kurt just mentioned, and uh, if that's too much, if you're driving, just go to our website, and you can link right over to him and get all that information there as well. Uh, so, Kirk, with that said, uh, God bless you, brother, and God speed to you as you continue to work on behalf of our people in the courts. Uh, but I would uh, ask this final question of you before we run out of time this evening. What does Confederate History Month mean to you, and what does it mean to be descended from these brave fighting men? Well, I, I, it, it's a pride in ancestry that provided some of the greatest soldiers that ever fought on the North American continent under some of the most inspired leadership. Yeah. Um, followers of a Christian army who manfully went home after the defeat and rebuilt the South under great adversity um, and have shown that they were right in every step of the way uh, in what they fought for. And as long as their descendants are able to um, promote the cause for which they fought, uh, which was resistance to an illegal and hellish invasion, uh, to an overwhelming tyranny, uh, which we now face ten times worse today, um, their name will live forever. And, uh, you know, they, uh, um, we might have lost the war, but my friend John Weaver always, Pastor John Weaver has always said that, no, really the South won the war because we kept our faith in Christianity, and the uh, North lost the war because they dissolved into empire-building, mammon, and money-making. And uh, so he always considered that the South won the war, and I that tend to a, agree with that. That is a great way to look at it as we close the, this program tonight, one week removed from uh, Resurrection Day. Keith, final word to you, and thank you for sharing that, Kirk. Yeah, I think that it's really important to realize that uh, hope is not lost. We have much to be hopeful for. Basically, things are breaking in our direction, internationally and nationally. We just need to be prepared to take action at the appropriate time. We've got a, um, a, a government that is so tyrannical in America now that it is in disrepute all over the world. And, of course, I think we need to remember, and this isn't cliche and this isn't hokey, our Confederate dead aren't even dead. They're still alive in us, and they can take down monu monuments, but so long as one of us breathes, uh, we will have the ability to continue the fight. And uh, there's still a lot of us out there, and the number seems to be growing. Kirk Lyons, thank you so much, brother. For John Hill, Keith Alexander, I'm James Edwards, the entire staff and crew. We will see you next week as Confederate History Month rolls on. Be sure to support Kirk Lyons at the Southern Legal Resource Center. We need 
men like him fighting these battles in court. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Talk to you next week. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.